not happened for an age. What's that? Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 42 and part three and the final part of my Ardacon coverage. It comes now to Journey's End where uh, Ardacon is almost sadly over. I mean, it's gone by in a flash despite it being nearly a week's worth of tournaments. I mean, Starting on the Wednesday, then playing Thursday through Wednesday, Thursday... No, wait, starting Tuesday? What day do we start? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, of course. Lots of games, uh, but we come now to the final part of this coverage. And I suppose the meat of the content. That's the important bit. This is the bit where I put my Easterling list to the test. Now, if you listen to episode 40, uh, part one of the uh, the Articon coverage, you'll have heard me me sort of getting a bit down, I guess, about the fact that uh, my Entmoot list-building sort of strategy or plan had kind of gone a little bit tits up. Um, I wanted the Easterlings to be great, and, I, and I'd had this plan that I would use a list that was kind of built with a vibe um, from uh, from the Green Dragon podcast. Uh, Kylie from the Green Dragon podcast uh, used a similar list to, uh, to, a, to win a tournament in Australia. I thought, well, if I do the same, then I'll have a decent list, a strength, strong list, but of course, different pilot means that uh, things didn't go quite as planned. So if you check out that podcast, uh, if you haven't caught up just yet. But either way, this is the main event. So I've got 600 points uh, to play with here at Ardicon. Uh, so I'm going to be building an army, well, right about now. So, yes, we're building an army of Easterlings, and hopefully not for the last time, um, but we'll see how things go uh, here at Ardicon. So, I, I've got 600 points to play with, and as I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, episode 40, my bag is chariots. I love chariots, and I love Easterlings, I love the Golden Horde. I just, I, I've, I've really fallen in love with painting Easterlings. Um, you know, there's just something about that armour, and I've spent an awful long time painting these guys, 18 months pretty much. Um, I've spent a lot more time on each individual model, um, you know, doing edge highlights and really making them look great. And I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, I really think they are good. Like, they look good. Um, they didn't win a painting competition, and I doubt they will, because there's always such, uh, such incredible talent out there in the community. But having said that, I'm really proud of these particular guys. So so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with them. I'm going to run them in a few tournaments because I'm determined to make these work. I'm determined to win a tournament for you, really. Not for me. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm happy rolling up with a, a little bag of crap, really, every, every tournament. But for you, you're listening along to this journey. I want you to enjoy the journey of a success with the Eastling. So with that in mind, here's a 600-point army list led by... Amder with an armoured horse. 45 points. He's got the banner. He's got the potential for it to be six inches if he kills a leader. Not sure that'll ever happen. Um, he also has the potential to gain might back. He's got the elven blade. He's got the free strike if someone strikes against him. All this stuff. He's, he's a hero killer uh, and he's awesome. 
Really like him. He's cool. I like him a lot. Five, six. Uh, strength four, three attacks, all that gubbins. Um, obviously downside, slightly lower defence than you'd hope, and also one fate point. But hey, we'll see how it goes. Five Easterling Warriors are in his warband. Just ones with shields. These aren't black dragons. Uh, then Easterling Warriors with pike and shield. I've got one of, so not a lot of them. Uh, then four black dragons with pike and shield. So black dragons, just to remind you, they're fight four, courage four, whereas the normal Easterlings are courage three and fight three. Uh, they're 44 points for those four. So 11 points each for the black dragons uh, with pike and shield. And then there's a cataphract, black dragon cataphract. So fight four, courage four. And mainly fight four and courage four because I feel like... You don't really want a fight three cavalry model um, because you want it to be, uh, you know, when you want it to hit and you want it to win and not die. So I figure charge in, cataphract, fight four, courage four, also courage good for the objective. So actually it's not bad. Then another one, black dragon uh, cataphract with a wardrum for 31 points. Wardrum essential uh, in the pre-tournament. They move quickly. They do just so much good stuff. They 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 can potential for moving something like twenty inches a turn or what what is it? So it's it's ten plus the five for the march plus five. Yeah, it's twenty inches, uh, which is just insane. So um, so that hopefully will come into play at some point during the tournament. Uh, and along with them is two Dragon Cult Acolytes. So that's not a massive warband, it must be said. Uh, so it's it's 14 um, out of the potential 15. Um, but, you know, it, it's I feel like it's got a bit of everything in that. So um, the idea there, I've got um, five pikes, five warriors. So that's a little sort of spear line, as it were, uh, with the cav and the Dragon Cults to sort of spice up the edges then second warband led by a war priest for 60 points war priests pretty cool uh three will so they've got fury if you come up against anything terrifying although sadly um sometimes terrifying stuff also has sap will though i i think i've played stuff that has sap will and they often don't bother because they're they're things that are sapping will are often trying to black dark horses or or you know um immobilize amder or whatever so so it's not always gonna gonna affect things, but anyway. Um, so the War Priest sixty point, and he also has um, the Blade Wrath, which makes Amder or anyone else in the uh, the army strength six. So uh, Amder, no, sorry, War Priest sixty points, two Eastling Warriors with shield, normal ones, four Black Dragons with Pike and shields, and another forty four points, and two Dragon Cult acolytes. So I've got four Dragon Cult acolytes. So that's four sets of uh, throwing weapons, four fight fours with two attacks, defense four, downside, but. You know, but pretty good. Then um, we've got final warband, Candish King on chariot. So he's got the strike, he's got the three attacks, he's got two points of might, he's got a fate. Not just, it's only one, but he's got that defensive bulwark, the defense seven chariot, and on a five plus, uh, you, you have to hit the chariot, or on a five plus, you can hit the hit the king. So pretty good. Two Candish horsemen in that as well. So we've got three bows in the final warband. So twenty seven models. Not a lot of might, six points of might, although Amder, of course, can get some back if he does any killing. Um, and the, the idea of this force is the Candish King charges his way in, kills stuff, and provides so much damage that the heroes ne- need to and want to engage with uh, with the Candish King. Uh, and the horsemen and, and the cataphract sort of blending around that, either grabbing objectives or, or joining him with a melee if it's a killy thing. Um, and the war priest either souping up the Kanglish king or uh, souping up Amda, who, of course, tries to assassinate heroes to get the might back uh, and also pick off the, uh, the, the the sort of potential killers of um, my troops. So that's the idea. Um, I've got the fast drum, which is really good for objective-grabbing scenarios, especially those two, that sort of twin... Um, 
uh, well pair of cataphracts that can just potentially just avoid combat for the whole game. Um, you know, it might be fifty points nearly uh, of stuff, but fifty points to potentially grab yourself a, a game-winning objective and also provide those dummy dummy runs where you march with a drum, you send it on the or, or sort of beat the drum, send it the wrong way towards an objective, maybe pull a few troops off one way and then just massively run across to an objective, leaving the slower moving troops uh, at the wrong side of the board. That's that's what that's what I really want to pull off uh, throughout this weekend. Uh, that is r- really exciting, really exciting opportunity for the war drum and of course just potentially capitalising on the fast movement, especially in those uh, scenarios where I'm deploying 12 inches on. And maybe need to defend an objective in the middle, so domination or or capture and control or something like that. And using the fast drum and the march from the king to just launch the whole army across the centre line. And once I'm across the centre line, they've got to push me back over that centre line to grab those objectives. And that's what I'm hoping is going to be enough. And those those defence six pike blocks, you know, maybe anchored on terrain, should be able to do that job for me. Will it all pay off? I hope so. I think I've got it right in my head, especially after the practice games. Admittedly, with fewer uh, uh, fewer models and and uh, a, a Dragon Knight extra and stuff like that. Sorry, um, the seven hundred point tournament at the pre Ardicon event. Um, I had more stuff, so I had an, a Dragon Knight and a few extra models. I don't think I've lost that much in this one, um, and I feel like it'll still work pretty much the same way. So, I really rate this army. I really think it's got the potential to work. And I think it's got some of the elements that I think I need, but I'm not 100% sure whether the pilot is the uh, is the problem that's going to cause me issues. So here's hoping. I've, I've said in the previous episodes, I want to get four wins today. I want them desperately. Will I be able to do it? Let's find out after Riddle in the Dark. Riddle in the Dark. Yes, that's right. This is the part of the podcast where I basically play a little clip from The Lord of the Rings, all the Hobbit trilogies, uh, and then you tell me who speaks next and what they say. So, here was episode 39's riddle. Yes, that's right. So it's a bit of a lengthy one, lots of sounds, a bit of sort of groaning and all that sort of stuff uh, involved in there. Uh, very exciting uh, clip. Let's find out in a second what the answer is uh, for the last riddle and, of course, who speaks next and what they say. But in the meantime, let's have a quick delve into the email inbox, uh, which is basically the time that I read out uh, some uh, some nice praise for myself. Uh, and uh, sorry about the squeaky noise of the microphone stand moving there. Um, so you, often it's people being nice because uh, nobody emails me uh, or haven't yet emailed me with really mean things to say. So feel free to email entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you have something mean to say. Uh, particularly about my army list and stuff like that. Go for it. Right. Uh, So, first of all, this one's from Jill or Gil Edgar. I don't know. Um, But either way, G-I-L-L. Hi, Jill slash Gil. Hi. The Riddle in the Dark question this time is from a film. And it's when the dwarves are trying to make a new shiny dragon statue. And it's someone who speaks next. 
Mm, thanks for great show, says Gil. And you have absolutely nailed it. I'll reveal the answer in a second. Uh, Nathan Talbot's been in touch, as you often are. Thank you very much, Nathan, for getting in touch. Hello, Harry. Just finished the latest episode. Glad you're recovering. Yes, I was talking about COVID last time. Absolutely fine now. Um, it was fun to hear a new tendril of the reporting. Could this be the first step toward your Rupert Murdoch-like media empire? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to get a media empire based off of Middle Earth strategy battle game podcasts, but you never know. Um, but I do, I, I agree. I really enjoyed the um, the George reporting. Uh, George Stromberg was reporting in the last episode because I was out of action. Uh, that was in episode 39 anyway. So uh, thanks very much. Um, I thought it was really good and I really enjoyed it. So maybe it will be something for the future. Um, so you've said, Riddles in the Dark has stumped me for now. The little tinkle of metal is probably key, but I can't place it at the moment. As for your 600-point Ardicon list, yes, this is uh, this is good. This is good topical stuff. Um, as for your 600-point Ardicon list, Nathan says, I'm fairly certain when we played at Imps Gaming a while back, it was about 600 points, and your list was very close to what you're currently talking about. A nice mix of chariots and Eastlings for variety and loads of underrated acolytes. Do that. Well... That's pretty much what I've done. I think I might have tweaked it ever so slightly since the list that um, you were talking about just then. I think what I did uh, back then was I had uh, I had two chariots. I had a, a king on chariot and a normal chariot. Um, but I found that um, I could drop the normal chariot and gain like three different things if I fiddle around with some war gear. So I gain I gain a, an extra model um, or two by doing that, including two uh, bows from the um, the horseman. So I think that's what I did. So I think I slightly improved it since that one. Whether it's improved enough, I don't know. Uh, either way, uh, no success on the Riddle in the Dark for you, Nathan. Apologies. Uh, then from James McCohan. McCohan? M-C-C-A-U-G-H-N. McGowan? McGowan? Something like that. Anyway, James, um, thanks very much for getting in touch. Hi, Harry. Hope you're well. Don't worry about trying to get my surname right. It's changing soon anyway. I love that you've, you've said that in your top line of your email um, after I've already struggled with this. Um, but clearly I, I make an error often enough with, uh, with people's names. Names, um, that uh, that you thought it was important. Anyway, uh, James, thanks very much for saying that to start off with. Thought I'd throw in my guest for The Riddle in the Dark. Definitely my favourite part of the podcasts. Great. I love that. It's all, It kind of makes me sad because it's the t- smallest bit and it's the bit of the films that I don't make. And the podcast, I'm building lists and I'm doing the tournament interviews and I'm getting guests on and stuff. So I'm kind of a disappointment. No, I'm not really disappointed. I'm glad this, I'm glad you like it. Um, he says, reminds me of when I was little and played this game on the radio, except instead of a £100,000 rollover, you could say that my heart is set on another prize. Ooh, OK, I like that. Uh, there you go. So uh, that's interesting. I'm glad it reminds you of some radio stuff. That's kind of where it comes from. I believe the scene is Smaug. Bursting from the molten gold, roaring. Revenge! Revenge! I'll show you revenge! That's my uh, my Benedict Cumberbatch via dragon. Um, I think this one was a little more difficult. I, I think it was as well. Expect most people will recognise Smaug. Mm. Um, but it took a bit of a trial and error to try and find the exact scene. Side note, if I ever have £300 going spare, I think I'll have to pick up a Smaug model and coat him in gold leaf after painting. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, why not make an expensive model insanely expensive? You already spent the money on it. Uh, James, thanks very much for getting in touch. Um, And you are absolutely correct. Here is that clip of Smaug roaring after bursting from the molten gold.
There you go. Smaug, Smaug, Smaug. Revenger! It kind of says Revenger, and I was trying to translate it, but I'm not quite sure uh, exactly whether it's just Revenge or Revenger. And then kind of a a pain, a guttural pain. Either way, uh, well done to uh, James and I think it was Gil or Jill um, who got the answer right this time. Bit of a tricky one, I agree. Maybe you'll find this one a bit easier. It's an iconic scene. I hope that's not too much of a clue. But then all of them are iconic scenes. Here's the uh, the clip of Riddle and the Rap for this week. Tell me, who speaks next and what do they say? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I think you can see hear some of the iconic stuff that's happening there. But can you tell what it is and place it in the timeline of the movies? Here we go. Let's have another listen. Okay, okay. So there you go. That's Riddles in the Dark. One more time, one more time. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. If you think you know who speaks next and, of course, what are they saying next? Entmootpodcast.gmail.com gets you in touch with the podcast and then you can enjoy listening to the rest of the podcast while you have a think about that one and maybe even get in touch about other things. Uh, do you think my 600-point Easterling Army list has the potential for success? Well, you're going to find out right now because we're going on an adventure to Ardacon. I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! Start. Also, the consistency, farmland is the good terrain, and the fences should allow for infantry maces to pass between them and the farmland and the houses, but nothing larger. So, good luck, guys. We'll be starting around timer in about 30 seconds. Woo! Move our run! So round one of Ardacon proper, we've got the Eastlings, we've got the, the chariot, we've got everything engaged and it's Lords of Battle and so actually one a, a force or a mission that I quite like usually, I've got chariots and all that sort of stuff to churn through, um, but I came up against Helm Hammerhand uh, led by Neil, Neil who uh, we played in the pre-tournament thing and you smashed me then too. <laughs> <laughs> well we christened another tournament with... Uh, uh this weekend again, um, yeah, and so I bought Helm Gar- Helm's Guard today, mm. and uh, so it's just Helm Hammerhand, two captains, a few mounted raw guards, and it's just a load of infantry with a lot of throwing spears and bows, really. Yeah, you've d- that, and that was the, uh, I think it was basically one in the deployment, to be honest, for you, because, uh, you know, we can deploy halfway on, but you had this nice patch of gra- uh, trees in the, in the corner that you deployed sort of around in a semicircle, bows facing out, plenty of shots that you can fire into my guys. I deployed on the front line, I marched, I drummed, but I still took some wounds with the king, things like that, and I, I basically needed to... I'll just wait for, for the le- mic- microphone. Um, I, I needed to get right in there, didn't I? And I did a march, 
and the chariot did engage, and he engaged, uh, killed one guy, and then killed the captain as well, uh, or hit the captain, but didn't kill him. Yes, so um, you actually wounded the captain with mm. him. Uh, I was umming and ahhing whether to call a move or not to call a move. In the end, I was just like, right, I'll let him go in. Uh, the captain actually keeps his horse on his fore-up due to his horse lord, which the yeah. captains have, which is a bit, bit of a niche one. But um, So uh, it meant uh, I could then surround him. Um, you got a strike-off, yeah. um, which uh, unhorsed Helm, of course, um, but didn't wound him after that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a big one for me because we both shook up, obviously, um, I, and you just whiffed the, the roll. You didn't quite get high enough for me, so I won that. And Oh, no, we, did we, we, no, we, we, got, we, we both got, got we the both 10. Got fight 10, um, and you won the roll off, didn't you? Yeah, that so, was right, so it was down to the 50-50. Um, but uh, the four attacks, importantly here, um, something came up that, that, we hadn't, uh, that I hadn't really encountered many times because usually people are, are much lower strength, but you've, you've got the high, high strength, so I didn't knock Helm off his horse, which, which was help, help, would help you in terms of not suffering loads of damage yes yeah that's right so strength five helm really comes in clutch there um yeah and then uh basically i won the ensuing move off um and all this time i had a channel to amda which i was striking combating to uh, reduce his might basically because if amda was trapped by his own troops at this time and therefore if he didn't strike helm goes into him and gets his six Mm. effectively strength seven attacks against him which nobody really wants <laughs> oh yeah yeah you threatened it a couple of times and uh, and and just then never never charged and wait and kind of waited until you'd done the two you took out all my might from the the sort of dummy um uh, sort of move on the correct combats into him and uh, and then eventually you had a, had a spot where you kept left leaving that gap but i'd run out of might to strike with and of course i don't mind str- uh, you striking when you're in combat with me because i get the free one but i don't really like it when you do it uh, outside no, and charge into me doing the strike combat um against uh Amda's pretty effective, yeah. um, and especially I have the might to do it. So yeah, oh, you've got a lot of might in this army, and especially when you, uh, you do things like kill a war priest and you get another might and things like that, it, you, you can uh, suck the the might out of me. And, and I already know my list is low on might, so I've got the, the the king with two and Amda with three and four. So it's only six might, which is very low. Um, and having spent one on a march just to get engaged, so you could stop shooting arrows at me and taking wounds off I chariots, did, yeah. and, and a very lucky shot against that king and took a wound off him early, which was. Yeah, so pretty pretty lucky. So. And I just thought I don't want to face. I, I needed to engage so that um, you didn't have like ten or something um, throwing spears as well. Because I thought, well, the chariot will go down if that happens. So uh, it's a shame because I would have liked to have two rounds of striking with the chariot against Helm um, just to try and maybe maybe win another roll off. Mm. But but it wasn't to be. And in the end, I think I, I I mean we ended up. I think you got thirty six kill or thirty five kills. I got eleven. Um, so you tripled me, you broke me, you killed the leader, so, and I didn't get my oath. So I, it's a pretty disastrous start to the tournament for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, Neil, uh, if it's any consolation, I suppose you'll be off playing all competitive super hard games and I'll be down on the bottom tables where hopefully I'll submarine, submarine my way to victory. We're going to be shattered, aren't we, yeah. by the end of this? Yeah, you are. We're, we are, you know what, this is our 11th game in the past three days, so um, yeah. It's exhausting, Pretty, yeah. <laughs> but you, you played it. You played it perfectly. I, I like to think that I didn't make any massive mistakes this time, but um, it just wasn't to be. Helm Hammerhand is such an absolute monster. Is there anything that I could have done that you think differently that would have would have swung it my way? Maybe not pushing that chariot in turn two. Do you think? Um, I think you're putting a lot of a lot of the game on a fifty-fifty, and once that chariot goes down, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> it's one of your strikes going, um, and maybe if you didn't march and threatened. Um, 
I don't know. It does mean you are taking shooting, as you say. Yeah, and I think that's that. I, I guess may, maybe maybe I, I wrongly thought, oh, well, you got lucky in the first round of shooting, um, which was like, I think, six or seven shots or something like that, and you managed to get a wound off on the chariot and on uh, the king. And I was thinking, well, if... Stupidly lucky, to be honest. It, it, was, it was a little lucky, but, you know, I, I thought you've got... Not not just the bows. Next, when I get next closer, you've also got the throwing spears. There's probably what ten or fifteen throwing spears, something like that. I mean, the march should get you straight in my face. I mean, eleven-inch move warriors, twenty-five-inch, tw- uh, twenty-fifteen. Yeah. Oh wait, what was it? Uh, twenty-inch move calf. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, because so the sound in the drum. So <laughs> we closed that gap very quickly. But alas, in in many ways, it meant that you had more turns to kill more of my stuff. <laughs> But either way, either way, uh, a 12-0 win to you and uh, Lords of Battle, you are indeed the Lords of Battle, Neil. Well done. Thank you very much, Harry. <laughs> so game two of Ardicon, uh, down on the, the doldrums on table 37 uh, against Tommy G, to- also known as Tommy Gangster. <laughs> Hi, Tommy. First of all, um, t- uh, give us an idea of what your army is, your full army, uh, uh, and then wh- I guess what you thought about the matchup and, and the scenario and all that. We're playing Domination. Okay, great. So I'm playing uh, the Khazad Doom, uh, led by Durin and his Hearthguard. Uh, I've also got the King's Champion, leading a bunch of Vault Wardens. Uh, generally took those because I'm expecting a bunch of monsters here today. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of want to have some heavy hitting power against monsters. Um, but I went today against the, the Khan and the Eastlings, uh, which, you know, Vault Wardens don't do too great against because they're not monsters. But it's a very exciting match because uh, I play a lot of Eastlings at home. So it's one I, I felt quite confident about. Okay. Um, so you you were quite confident going into uh, it, yeah. I, I, well, I was in the highest spirits in the first match because uh, I, I was just getting destroyed. Honestly, I was against Numenor and some elves, and uh, it was rough. It was rough. Well, so so first of all, we deploy halfway up the board, yeah. uh, and I, I put Amder and the the king quite close forward, and I won the first priority. And and I t- I had warned you about the chariot, um, and and there were your rangers. Where there were four or five rangers, and I went straight for them. When yeah. when you when I told you what was going to uh, did you did you sort of think actually maybe it sh- I should play against that or do you think well. were you just so confident that that you were going to counter charge and all that sort of stuff? Um, to, to be honest, I, I kind of put my rangers there thinking I'll get some shooting off this turn mm. uh, and there's a bit of a miscalculation really on the most part. But see that chariot charge into the rangers, I very quickly was a bit like oh no, this yeah. can go <laughs> really badly quite quick. But luckily. I had all my Khazard Guard right next to it. I had my um, Vault Wardens too. So you charged in. I think you might have got one or two of the Rangers. Yeah, I think um, I killed killed one and then bounced off the second yeah. one, so I didn't wound yeah. him. But then you, yeah, then you completely wrapped around. Charge yeah. and, and lap around. Uh, but that so first that, turn, though, that that first turn was spooky. Um, it was because because I was good to see because I well because I, I killed the, the one Ranger and then um, in the move and then uh, charged another one and then you wrapped around with two or three. I think it was two Khazard Guard in the end. Durin didn't, didn't get involved because he was, he was kind of boxed in, which I think yeah. was a bit, of a bit of a miscalculation on your part. You sort of surrounded him with, with guys. Yeah. Um, if he'd have got in earlier, maybe he'd have, uh, he'd have swung the battle earlier on. But um, Amder also did the same, and I blade-wrathed him so that he could uh, try and get heroic combat and move in stuff, which I did. And then uh, some of the other guys went in with the pikes and the, the lots of dice. So I think early on I had a massive advantage because I had all these extra dice to win the combats and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I wasn't killing a lot, but I did churn through those Khazad exactly. Guard quite quickly. Quite quickly, really. you, you ploughed on ahead really quickly. Um, but later on, I think once, once Durin kind of came into play, once the King's Champion lapped around, started taking your kind of spears out of the equation a bit. Um, yeah. I think that helped. Yeah, there was a brutal turn um, where... I think Dur- uh, 
Amda had charged Durin, um, with, and he had a might, and you didn't. And then yeah. you, you t- took him off, and then the King's Champion charged him, and the chariot was in. There was just this whole melee of all the heroes. And, and rising from the dust at the end was a king without a chariot, no Amda, and Durin and the uh, half uh, and uh, the king's champion, which just just meant for me that that I'd, I'd lost all of my killing power, especially the charges, which are essential for getting through that defense nine, aren't they? That's the big deal. So it, that was a rough turn. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. It, it felt so good though. Um, yeah, do, do, don't don't hold back. It did feel good. I'm sure it, it felt did. fantastic. Honestly, <laughs> just doing going in against that chariot. He just didn't hold back, and he just just took it down uh, in, in one turn, more or less. And then uh, champion is equally going on onto uh, Amdur a bit. And, and we were saying there. we were saying earlier on in the game the the rerolls of ones for the uh, for the army bonus weren't coming in they at all. In, but but by point, the end, by, by that point at the end, they were they were flowing through like yeah, it, it was. Weren't. It was pretty essential, actually. I, I think the, the final chariot wound was a, a re, was off a reroll. The same with uh, Amda off a reroll as well. So, so that a lot of them that, that army bonus really clinched it for you, which was which was ace. But of course, the, the scenario was domination, and I, I, I thought I had it in the bag for a long time because Me too, I yeah because I had a rear objective with two guys on it, a, a left rear objective with two guys on it, and a far far right objective with two guys on it um, and I thought I've got this tied up There's, no matter what happens here I should be okay but then the, the turn that we broke I lost uh, you peppered me with a bow fire occasionally but I lost the final two guys standing on an objective failed their courage check and that was that was big that, I, I, mm. I thought I'd lost it then for sure um, which I think just the, the very steady bit of archery each turn uh, helped quite a bit there mm. but it, it didn't do too much but he helped, but I yeah, think, I think you whittled you whittled it down maybe from three to two on one yeah, and two yeah. to one on the other, which was which was important. It, but it does little bits, yeah. But I think think eventually the courage when you were breaking was the, the big thing, really. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely I, th- I was despondent after that roll. I was fr- <laughs> I was cursing the dice gods, and and it, it meant that I'd lost an objective. But luckily, and in my head, I thought I'd lost there because you'd killed Amdo at this point. Yep. And I thought that was a big uh, two points or three points for a kill uh, of the leader. I hoped. Yeah. I hoped, honestly. Um, but, but in this scenario, it wasn't. It's, it's actually one point for a kill and one point for a wound, which we both got because yeah. I did manage to get Durin yeah. sometime early on in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I committed so much to going in on the chariot and I'm thinking there must be some kind of points for getting you know something on a general or, or at least the leader yeah. getting the leader killed see that's uh, what, the, the main thing I, I wanted was the one wound I thought if I get one point for the wound then I'm okay and, and everything else I can win on the objectives but in the centre in the end a couple of very important fights um, the king's champion fluffed against one guy um, which meant the, uh, that meant put as e- dead even in the middle um, and that would have been another point to you if you had the domination but it would have still not been quite enough to win the game so in the end, 6-4, incredibly close game, very swingy because at the start I felt like I was completely dominating the game and towards the end you just flipped it on ahead as soon as Jiren and the King's Champion waded in. It was a fantastic game, Tommy G. Yeah, it was great. It was great to play you, Harry. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. Well, uh, good luck in the rest of the tournament. I know you'll be moving down the tables a little bit, but I hope to meet again in the middle at the end. Yeah, great. Yeah, I would love to see you again, mate. Yeah, it was a good match. Uh, and all the best to you. Oh, thank you very much. Cheers. Good luck. Game number three of Arda Khan and uh, my opponent Chris, sadly very shy, very shy, and uh, doesn't really want to ha- have a chat about the uh, uh, the game. But I'm sat near the table, as you can hear, the background, the hubbub is still here, and I'll walk you through a little bit. It was Command the Battlefield, and 
it was a bit of an odd one. Command the battlefields where you have to sort of uh, capture the corners of the field and it's maelstrom deployment. And uh, I was playing against a king on chariot with Candish horsemen, Amda with two uh, cataphracts and a load of warriors, and uh, a war priest with a load of warriors. So it was almost exactly the same. There's only a slight difference. I got the drum. Uh, he doesn't have acolytes, um, but he had a lot more Candish horsemen. So the, the way it all panned out basically was... Uh, he rolled badly for the Candish king and his ch uh, chariot crew, um, and everything else was split up. And I rolled well for my deployment. So essentially, the, my king came on and mowed straight through all of his horses, uh, or three of his horses, and uh, charged the king. He did a wound on the chariot and a wound on the king with the chariot uh, hit, and then subsequent turns, Amda mobbed in and killed uh, his king. So it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a one-sided battle from there on. But it was all about deployment. It was all about the moving around the field. And eventually, just because of my the numbers I had, I managed to swing everything around and I managed to claim an 11-0 victory. To be fair, Chris was very unlucky with his roles. Uh, some some fights that he had stacked in his favour, he lost. Um, the fights that I had stacked in my favour, uh, I, I won. So it was just the, one of those games where uh, he just couldn't do anything right. He made a few big mistakes, though, uh, it's fair to say. There was a, a particular one, the Candish King uh, declined to call a heroic move um, in the second turn after he'd already lost a wound um, in the first one against my King. Um, so I could then charge him again. Uh, I didn't do any damage with the impact hits that time, but I did surround him with everything and charge Amder in. So it was a bit of a, a, a faux pas, that. Um, but I think he said he was going to save it for the strike, but then he decided not to strike in the end because Amder was in the fight. So it didn't go so well for him. But either way, 11-0 victory, and uh, I got an oath as well, which is an oath. You get an extra V tournament point for that, and that means that um, I'm going on the way up. So it's good. I've got a win and then another win. So fingers crossed. I'll be playing against someone who'll send me right back down. Or maybe this is the this is the journey to the top begins from here. Game number four at Ardacon, and we're playing Destroy the Supplies, and I'm playing against Nathan. Uh, Nathan, first of all, um, just give me a bit of a rundown of, of what's in your army, and uh, and we'll go from there. Yes, we got uh, Boromir, Huron, and Madril. They've all got three or four Minister for Sword and Shield. Then Boromir's got Fountain Court Guards, Madron Huron have got Spear and Shield guys, and then three Rangers in each warband, and then uh, one Knight in each warband as well. Yeah, so it's, it's a, a solid solid uh, 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 Ranger-built um, uh, Gondor list with, with the big flag of, of Mighty, yeah. Mighty Doom. Yeah. So, so, I mean, first of all, you, you look at the um, Easterling army, and you know people sort of say that they're not great and, and it's not that competitive. What, what did you think when, when we sort of set up, we're doing destroy the supplies, and we've got these three objectives of it on each side that we each have to destroy that are worth half of VPs. Um, what did you think? Did you think you were going to win, and did you have a strategy to do that? I mean, I looked at your army, and I, I just saw the big chariot, and I, was, I got really scared of it, thought, if that goes into my men... I'm going to break, he's going to get to my supplies, I'm, I'm, I've lost. So I put Boromir in there, had him chasing down the chariot the whole time, but then my men were just vulnerable to yours, didn't have my banner rerolls, my rangers weren't fight five, uh, and then as we saw, your guys just trample past my line. Yeah, I, I completely... Um steamrolled through um, one flank which was uh, which is the Madril flank and um, Madril being fight four was was uh, brutal because it meant that you know I had the acolytes and so many people that just stacked in and a blade wrath and an acolyte and he killed him in the end stuff like that um, and so that was 
a pretty important flank that I pushed through and I managed to take one of your supplies on that side pretty quickly. Um, and the chariot, as you say, held up three turns probably. Yeah. Um, Boromir was, was uh, three, four, it must have been lot, maybe even more, four turns. And I took his horse, which took away his mobility as yeah. well, which was handy. But also, um, I think you're right, it's the scare factor, isn't it? I, mean, I, I, I just, there was that chance of getting, uh, getting a couple of, well, one, one roll off Five going. Of my men in one turn, yeah. it's, yeah, really scary. Especially the Rangers, though, those Defence 4 guys. But, um, as, been, as, as time has announced here at the thing, it, it was kind of time that, that ended up being the, the thing that I think probably won it for you, 6-4, because I reckon a couple more turns... It, it could have swung either way, I suppose, because you've got one objective, but I'm pinning you down and I'll, I'll get that. But I, I, I was threatening with, with both my king, who abandoned his chariot and ran away, and also Amda on one objective with a ranger in the woods. So I would have got that uh, objective next turn. But you might have also got yours, which would have evened it out as a draw. But the crucial thing here as well is that I had no actual banner. So you get two VPs as standard for the banner. So I was looking at, at, at trying to kill Boromir at some point, because that's four VPs for me. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, you know, in the end, it, it didn't work out like that. No, yeah. It, I mean, I didn't mean to play Boromir super defensive, but because so he was just focused on the chariot, he was away from all your men and, and the big horde, and yeah, it was just behind my, behind my line in the end. So, yeah. Yeah, and he ended up slap bang in the centre of the middle, uh, still waving his flag, still looking great. Um, and, and neither of us broke. It was a very objective army. I managed to drum my guys to victory to an extent, but not quite enough to, to move around fast enough to do the job. But I think what I did really well um, with my pike block is I found a little tiny choke point that um, gave me enough of the, the pikes to, to use my three dice um, to, to, to the advantage. Neither of us had banners, so it was straight up fights. And, and they, just, they just won. They just largely won the fights and, and managed to kill and steamroll through. I, I think that, that went well. But um, I didn't also didn't defend my objectives well enough because I just had the chariot and a few Candish guys on the left and, yeah. and the centre flank. And I think that also lost me the game. Yeah, definitely. You left that middle one open. And I was just six inches away from it. I just snuck in and grabbed it. I got pretty lucky with the, the one on the right here because... Um, I basically got that lucky shot and, and the combats went my way. Yeah, absolutely. I had two Candish horsemen defending the, the rear left objective or right as you're looking at it. And and that meant that um, you, you just had one shot from a ranger, which also was defending the uh, the objective in the woods. Um, he, he just one shot killed the Candish horseman, which just swung it from being two Candish horsemen against a, 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 a knight to one, which just just meant that it was it was more likely than not that you would get it and also you unseated him in the end didn't you yeah yeah um no it was, it was a really close game though and i really enjoyed it to be honest yeah it was great well i, I thank you very much for the game and um, i i actually looked at it and thought this was going to be a hell of a hell of a hard game uh, to play and and you played it very well maybe a couple of uh, errors with yeah. boromir's decision making because boromir could have smashed into that chariot um, earlier maybe and it would have been fine but actually uh, in the long run, it all worked out in your favour, 6-4, uh, and you catapulted it back up to the top tables from table 14. So good luck in the uh, day two. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, Thank you. To the end of day number one there, and uh, Nathan was a great player, top notch. He, I think he just got a bit nervous about the chariot, which is great because the chariot is a nerve-wracking thing and it can do a lot of damage, but I think 
it doesn't do as much damage as uh, as some people think. So uh, that that was was really really handy. Uh, it's just a shame that uh, he didn't manage to get any any actual hits off on Boromir. That might have helped get a point or something just to push me over the edge um, and into a win. But it, I mean, it certainly survived a hell of a number of turns, and the king still managed to walk out of the wreckage and threaten a, an objective at the end. And um, one thing that, that I, I must say we, we didn't speak about in that interview: um, Amder and two drag, uh, uh, ac- ac- not acolytes, the uh, 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 the black dragon cataphracts failed to kill Hurin um, numerous times, which was which was probably one of the the biggest stalling things in the game. And I knew I needed to get um, the the objectives, and Amder was uh, definitely on the on the job to do that. But Hurin was a block in the way, and I thought Hurin's fine. He's fight five. Um, he's got a strike, but I get a free strike. So a couple of uh, I charged in uh, with some with some help or, or to peel off some of his knights and things like that. And um, the first time he calls a strike, Amder gets a free one. Uh, he strikes up to, you guessed it, ten. Amder strikes up to seven. Not great, but Amder wins the fight. He takes three roll of th- roll three dice, get the fives. He gets one wound. I was happy with it. The fate. Uh, it, it didn't work, so I was, I was feeling great about myself, feeling great here. Another turn of combat later. The same exact thing happened. Uh, I struck up. It didn't work. I won the fight, and then I rolled three uh, dice and uh, didn't get enough to, to kill him. And I this at this point, I had a three on one of the dice, and I had two points of might. I could have killed him. And then moved on. Oh, I think it might have been the first time they'd done that. Anyway, one of the turns, I did it. And I could have spent two points of might to ensure Hurin died. But I didn't. I didn't. Uh, because it would have left me with one might. Because at that point, I didn't have any might at all. Um, so uh, I, I just thought, well... I don't know. I just thought I I might need it later if Boromir's kicking about. That was a big mistake. And this, uh, is, this is a single thing... That I definitely should have done. I should have spent all the might in order to kill, um, uh, kill that 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 Hurin because I would have been able to move my guys on and then eventually uh, maybe maybe take two of the objectives rather than the one, and that would have forced a draw. But hindsight is a wonderful thing. And now I'm in the hotel. I've just dropped off my toy soldiers. It's ten minutes away from uh, a big Middle Earth um, ceremony thing. The uh, guys from the team, uh, the Warhammer team, are actually in there. They're going to do a seminar, and they might even reveal some exciting news. You will know about it now, probably by the time you listen to this. I don't know yet, so I'm actually really excited. Hopefully, my War in Erebor prediction will come true. Let's find out. So, game number five on day number two uh, of Ardacon, and I'm playing Matthew, um, and it's Recon. So, uh, this is the, one of the scenarios I thought that I might like, <laughs> but because uh, I've got the drums. Um, but first of all, explain what you've got, and, um, and give us an idea of the kind of strategy you had, and what you were thinking about when, when you came up against me. So, I've brought Elendil with a lot of Numenorean spearmen. Most of them have shields, uh, mainly just for strength four as my ally is an orange ally with Galadriel, Lord of Light, and a load of elves. One sentinel, one knight, banner, just hopefully that's a front line which trashes other front lines, fight five, strength four in the back, and I've got Elendil who outfights all other heroes really, um, and three hero combats just give him all killing power in the world. 
Yeah, it was. It was. It's a. It's a potent, potent list, and you know, you've got the magical power from uh, Galadriel and her her um, her little waving hand, and um, and and Elendil is a is a killer. So. I mean, looking at the, the armies uh, that I had, and I had the drum, so I was had the stupidly fast movement, yeah. which in recon is, is a really, really strong way of, uh, of winning. Um, what was your plan to try so and win? I knew I was never going to get to the other side of board first. You have Eastlings, drums, march. Yeah, there's no chance of that happening. So my entire plan was don't break myself, break my opponent, try kill Amber if he can. If not, then I'm just going to have to make sure I kill enough to get an even score mm. and march my army, the entire army, off the board while no one's 25 percent Yeah. So. And and as it panned out, I mean, I, I quick, very as you say, qu yeah. very quickly. I mean, uh, I got a cataract off in probably two or three turns, yeah. um, and the the rest of the uh, I got five more guys off a couple of turns later, maybe three yeah. turns later, and um, so I had six guys off the field. And I, I, I think that may have been a miscalculation on my part because um, I either needed loads more or loads less because um, in the end you needed to kill everything on the table to, to be able to, um, to quarter me and end the game, which just meant that, that you, and once you kind of twigged it, I mean, I think there was a period of time when I think you were killing stuff and I thought maybe you hadn't realised that you might overkill yeah. here and end the game and then I win. To be fair with Easterlings, I know the Courage 4 for all Black Dragons, mm. Courage 5 with the Iron Burst, forgot about that one to be fair, but I didn't expect them to not stick around mm. after Broken. Like, I was fine with breaking you and as soon as you're getting close to Broken, that's when I'm thinking I've got to run. Because as long as I've got enough guys so I'm not tripled mm. or doubled, then as long as I've killed your leader, broken you, I've still got them to win on points. Uh, in the end, you got just too many off the board to be able to 25% yourself earlier. But as I said, the idea was not be tripled. Yeah. And as long as I'm not tripled, I can still win just by getting you the objectives. So. Yeah, and you, you, you broke me um, fairly fairly quickly. I was very close to breaking you. I had two, yeah. four, six, eight, nine, so two or three nine, more? Two three models? more. Three more models, so, so not bad. And I'm largely down to a, a pretty epic chariot charge at the start. Yeah, uh, churned my way through some of the elves. I think every I got five or six de oh kills. It was, yeah, yeah, it was brutal. So many elves. And at that point, I was thinking, oh, my God, there's no... If he gets his entire army off... Even if I throw my entire army up, I'm never going to get anything. Yeah. Uh, honestly, from there, it was like, as soon as I saw Amdor come in, I thought, I have a chance. That's three points if I can get Elendil into him. It's not too hard to kill Elendil. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Amdor murders every other Fight 6 hero. Yeah. Fight 7 with three heroic combats is too much for most armies. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you drew some of the might out with making me strike when I, I wasn't in combat to make you avoid me, which worked for a little bit. I was hoping I'd get a few more kills from Amda, but you cleverly pinned him in place. And um, I was lucky with magic. Galadriel was very oh, poor yeah. in this game, very she poor. Was, she was absolutely useless. <laughs> she rolled twos on three dice to try transfix him at one point, so he didn't even have to try resist. And uh, yeah, for most of the time, she was bogged down. She even tried a heroic combat at one point to get a banner closer and failed miserably yeah. with a couple of guys. I was going to say, there was quite a few people in that combat. Yeah. But um, in, in the end, um, you, you, I mean, you haven't quite doubled me, but I mean, it might happen eventually, but I don't think, I, I don't think you would. Um, yeah. But I, so, so you won 8-0. Um, I, I, how do you think, it, was there a way that I could have won this? Uh, what, could I have marched everything off the table and just avoid... Because do I have more models yeah. than you? I think I did. Yeah, you have 28 models, I have 24. So going in, I was like, I've got to kill four models at least, and then it's a draw. Mm. 
I've got to kill five models and I can maybe win if all my guys still alive. Mm. To me, as soon as you charge the chariot in, I was looking at a loss, honestly. If you charged Ando off, just avoided giving me them three points, then, and you got, uh, I think you killed like five guys with a chariot charge. Mm. After that, I don't think I could have got enough points to come back at all. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean I don't know how the game ends at that point because no one ever gets twenty five percent. We're both just off the board, but <laughs> but I suppose yeah, it just ends because nobody's on the board. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I mean, I, I kind of I, I thought about it a bit too late that I could just send everyone off the board. I mean, I didn't want to because that's a boring game, it, it, and, and I could have definitely done it because you you deployed on the left hand side, I was on this, uh, I was on the left hand side of my side, so we were on opposite sides almost. I could have just marched all the way through and sent myself off the board, but. I mean, what, what's the fun in that? I mean, yeah, I, like, I, I wouldn't have. I, I mean, maybe I could have put the chariot in and killed your leader. Maybe a few extras, as you say. As long as I send four guys in, yeah. then I could have had a better fight. I, even I could have sent Amder in in the chariot, and then I, I'm going to lose well, some points. But that was a thing. Like it was all about where Amder was. Yeah. If I saw him running off, I've lost. Yeah. Uh, I've got to just try force my way over there, kill as many of you as possible, and then get off myself. If you. You kept Ando in the game, and I love it because I love Ando. Mm. It's a great model, and yeah, I really want to play him. I think even if he's not work for me, I'd bring him to every evil army I have. Yeah. <laughs> he's great, and uh, yeah, as soon as he was in the battle, I knew that Elendil's got a very good chance of killing him. So and it, it took a t- it took a few fun. turns. You, you got because uh, I boxed him off and all that sort of yeah. stuff, but eventually he got there. Yeah. I, I I think the yeah the trick here was I I, I didn't think about the end conditions soon enough and also I didn't really notice that you had shields on every single model yeah. and that is crucial in this so you could shield and yeah. not kill any of my guys in the late game and I wanted my Easterlings to die you were just shielding and, yeah. and, I, and then I was like oh well I can't win now that's, yeah. that's it and I think in the end that's what it comes down to like, I've got Elendil who has a shield dismount him so he can shield at everything he's got two might left so if I lose priority they're not going to run away for another two turns that allows all my models to get off I've definitely won the game at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, well, it, it was very well played, Matthew. And as you say, I, I made a, a, a mistake in terms of not sending the, the guys off. But it, it was fun to actually have the fight in the middle, yeah. at least. It, it was a hell of a fun fight. Yeah. Like, seeing Amda get the uh, enchanted blades, that's terrifying, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. blade wrath to his strength six, so he's chopping through stuff. so hard just to stop him from murdering half my army yeah. right there and then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it was a good game, Matthew. Uh, yeah. Well done, that puts you, I guess, on three wins and two three losses? Wins, three wins, two losses for me. Well, so amazing far. work. And uh, head on up to the top tables and get smashed, or, would you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's how it's gone every other time. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so well, good luck in the next game. Aye, good luck in the next Cheers. game, man. I'll love Eastlings. Cheers. <laughs> Final game of Ardacon. And uh, I'm against Dan. Dan, and we're playing uh, Fog of War. Dan, first of all, um, just give us an overview of your army list, what you got in it, what, what you were hoping to achieve in the game. So my uh, general is Durin. Uh, we're the Loader Hearthguard. Um, the second warband is King's Champion with Vault Wardens, um, Iron Guard and some Archers, just to yeah. mix it around. Yeah, so that's that's 28 or 29, something like that? Yeah, yeah 20, 28 models and a lot of high defence, lots of yeah. tough stuff. And Fog of War is always a tricksy scenario, isn't it? Yeah. So so this is one where you've got to choose the terrain piece uh, to be close to, kill a, a character and protect a character and break the enemy. So um, first of all, when you saw my army, did you did you sort of have a really strong idea of what you were going to do and how you were going to achieve this, this win? Um, I did initially... But then when you war drummed and just went around the map like mad, I kind of just went, right, I just need to get everything back together. 
fight and just kill basically yeah, yeah just kind of get into it um, the original idea was yeah kind of swing right on the board swing left towards the um, the objective piece I wanted to take um, but then also kind of respond to where you were going yeah. um, which I feel like I did a little bit but yeah I, I think you absolutely did that um, I, I kind of went straight for I pushed my whole army towards my target which was one of your heralds yeah. so I, I want to send kill. yeah I, I wanted to send a, a chariot in I wanted to send Amdo in Amdo gets the mic back if he kills him so I thought this is this is definitely the way to do it yep. and during slow moving so he's Very a bit slow. further on the right hand side I thought that's fine um, and that, that's kind of the way it, it pretty much panned out like that yeah. for me yeah, yeah. Um, I also drummed my cataphract and uh, him, his own, himself and his fellow cataphract up to the left hand side and originally I wanted you to think this was a dummy move yeah. and it worked didn't it yeah. you, you fell for the bait yeah I, I moved some what hearth guard back then you moved completely away again I was like oh no worries so I started moving back but I think you went back a turn too soon yeah back towards the terrain exactly so I, I drummed I encircled a, a bit of uh, a bit of t- uh, woodland over in the corner and yeah it, it sent you in one or two turns um, and then I just I carried on running around yeah a turn later, I ran back, which was if I'd have waited one more turn, it would have it would have uh, would have captured me the woodland. Having said that, it wouldn't have captured me the woodland because I failed two courage checks yeah. on the the broken <laughs> black dragon cataphracts. So they d- it didn't make a difference in the end anyway. What's but five, yeah, yeah, what's courage five? Well, you know nothing. But the main fight really was was the Candish King on chariot, it was. who overperformed or. Your guys underperformed. Or underperformed for what? Three turns in a row? Four turns, maybe? Numerous turns. King's, I mean, the king's, king's well. the king's champion failed in his first attempt to do any damage, yeah. um, and I I struck up I think to that one. So we, I don't think I even won the strike. But either way, I failed. You've kept not rolling the sixes, even yeah, with the banner the around. Six, yeah. Every every time, it was almost every every round. It really was. Um, yeah, quite frustrating. But that's just dice, I guess, isn't it? That you can't really can't really help that. <laughs> and and sadly. Um, I mean, I, funny enough, uh, my teammate Darren had come over and asked, he's playing a Candish uh, chariot army as well, yeah. uh, almost the same identical army, and asked me for advice and, and, and asked me, what do you think I should try and kill uh, in this list? And I said, kill the war priest. And you overheard this, right? I did, I did hear that. I did hear that. Why did you choose to try and kill the king rather than the war priest? I, I knew the king would always be in the thick of it. So I knew I'd have so many more opportunities to get to him. The priest, I knew you would be a bit more dicey with and move away. Plus, you've got an extra inch move on the priest, so I would I would just be chasing and chasing and never actually get to you. Yeah. It's kind of what I was thinking. See, I, I, my logic behind the priest and uh, the pri- I, I my logic behind in rudely interrupted by the microphone there. And um, the uh, the war I've thought the war priest was the definitely the best choice because the war priest is always going to be within six inches of my troops for the fury or six inches with a blade rough. Yes, I can hide him away, but. I kind of need to keep him together just to so he doesn't get pinned down by someone else. And I assumed that you would get a heroic combat off at some point yeah. to make up the, the points. Durin smashes him in one go. You don't have to worry about me striking up. You don't have to worry about defensive bulwark, all that sort of stuff. And then he's dead. You went for the king. Yep. And it probably was the right choice because even though uh, you, it took ages to do it, you did kill him <laughs> in the end. In the end but, I mean, you should have killed him three, four times yeah, before that. So... And then I could have killed the priest. I could have killed the priest then, afterwards, yeah, to stop your VPs too. So I think I think that crucial fight in the middle just took too long to to conclude, really, to happen. And in the end, um, 
I thought that I thought that we I thought I'd lost yeah. because um, I'd rolled. We, we basically a, a guy, two guys ran away yeah. when they sh- when they really, really shouldn't have done. Have. <laughs> um, you guys, uh, you you took ages to kill the king, and I thought we might pip it the turn before, and I failed another courage check to t- pin down Durin, yeah. which would have stopped that again. But either way, it ended up as a draw because yeah. my my war priest is hiding in the woods. He's survived. Um, your uh, I killed your guy. Yeah. Um, you killed my guy, yep. and the guy you're protecting was the king's champion, who Amda and the chariot had, did a number Hopefully on. Did it, yeah, completely sandwiched and ended him in one turn, yeah. And, and I think it was one or two overbroken, so it took it. It, it was very close for breaking you, but we were both broken. Yeah, in the end, both broken. I think it was. I think me choosing to do some piercing strikes when I shouldn't have probably didn't help, but it's the first time. I've so, so the break, we were breaking rudely interrupted again by the uh, the That's commentary. So, you you were saying piercing strikes are, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I think I think actually it's probably because I was piercing striking, and sometimes yeah. I find when other people piercing strike, yeah. you tend to also go actually yeah. Well, if you're doing it, I'll do it because I, it'll help our killing chances. Yeah. I figured it might help kill the chariot faster because yeah. I knew I was going to be hitting that much more than the actual king, because then it would have been for most of my normal troops fours then, which would have actually been a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, not being able to roll a six doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. Either way, um, it, was a, it was a really interesting game. Um, do you think there's anything either of us could have done differently to, to push it over to, other than luck, to push it over the, um, yeah. the edge to winning rather than drawing? Not sure. Not sure, really. I think you did a very good job of keeping your army together for all of it. Mm. I was a bit worried at the start because I'd split my warbands in, into two separate bits. I've, I think I've done that quite a lot is where I've split my forces too much. I think if I try and keep them together next time, I'd probably have a stronger base to then go from. Yeah, I think in this scenario you're absolutely right. Uh, you, and I kind of think Durin, Durin should be just lined in front of your, uh, or right next to the King's Champion or something, because you know all of your heroes are in one little bubble then, yeah. and Durin can protect the, the weaker heroes, um, and, and that, 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 would, that would probably help. Also means all your killing powers in one place. But I suppose the, the downside of that is it means that you're less likely to be able to defend the objectives and things yeah. like that. So I, I think the, what, the, the major mistake I made was, was moving the cataphracts one turn early back into the, yep. into the trees. It was a moot point in the end anyway because they, they ran. But it, you know, more often than not, they, they would have won that yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, and it would have been fine and then that might have pushed me to a victory. Or, or if, if dice had their way, it would have kept the draw rather than yeah. killing the king. So yeah, either way, um, Dan, it was a really interesting game to finish off Ardacon and... Um, I, I guess that's nice for us. I, I guess you've got two wins and a draw as well as I have. Yeah, two wins, two losses and a draw. Yeah. So nice way to nice way to go. Nice I'm way to go. I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I can be proud of that, and we yeah. can both be proud of that. I think so too. Yeah. All right. Uh, all the best. Thanks very much Thanks. for talking to me. No worries. Thank you. So we come now to journey's end. Literally, it's the end of Ardcon. That was the sixth game, and I mean. It's hard to dis- hide my disappointment. It, it, it is a little, um, especially in that last game. Uh, and there was a game earlier on in the, uh, the the tournament that I just just threw because I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the killer instinct to just march my boys off the table and uh, and go for the three 0 win. It would have been an incredibly boring game to play. Um, so I, I I will take the high road on that because it would have been a really boring game. I could have got the three 0 win uh, for the march on the recon, and then I'd have had three wins and a draw. Oh well, I suppose I'd have played someone different, so I might not have got the draw. But anyway, that aside. I'd, I'd have been more happy with that. It would have been slightly over the halfway point, which is uh, of you know in terms of win loss ratio, two wins and a draw. Am I happy with that? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And I tell you why. Because I thought I played well. 
You know, sometimes you think the dice are against you in a game and sometimes you just know you've made mistakes. I'd like to say it was the dice against me, but I know I made mistakes and I can I can look at that mist- those mistakes I made and follow the mistake through the game to the end result and go, those mistakes cost me games and they, they cost me VPs or they cost me whatever. And that is really frustrating because I think I played these Easterlings really well generally and I think I pulled out some terrific moves. Like, I really do. I really think that I, I had had such good tactics in so many games and I think I played some of the things. The drum worked well, the march worked well, the acolytes did exactly what they wanted to do, the black dragons were the, per, felt perfectly balanced. And yet, and yet, I still came out with two wins and a draw. I, I mean, the armies I played against were tough armies and the players were tough players. Helmhammer Hand was awful to play against. Uh, Neil was lovely to play against, but Helmhammer Hand was awful. Uh, I could not deal with Helmhammer Hand at all with Amdur or the Chariot because he's just got all the might in the world and, uh, you know, the, the fight six or whatever they were, Royal Guard was just insane. So, you know, oh, I think by five, I can't remember what they were. Either way, it was awful. Boromir with his stupid fight seven thing as well, that's hard to come up against. And then Durin and the King's Champion twice. Look, I'm not going to blame... I'm not going to blame the opponents or or my bad luck at coming up against those army lists because ultimately I should have been ready for Durin and um, King's Champion, especially because I espoused the uh, the, the quality of those uh, Durin and the Hearthguard and the King's Champion and Vault Wardens because I took them to Blooming Ardacon two years ago. So I really should uh, have been prepared for that eventuality, especially as a trendsetter like me, uh, sort of. Um, Surprising that anyone has followed my advice, uh, if they have. I mean, I doubt that's the case. But if they have followed my advice, um, Durin and the Hearthguard, I'm I'm assuming that because we're all playing on lower tables, it didn't it didn't go well for them. But it went worse for me. So hey, what are, what can I say? Either way, I'm a, I'm definitely disappointed. Um, and I wish I I wish I wasn't because I don't usually care about competitive playing. But I really want these Easterlings to win. I really love the army and I want to keep playing it. But it is depressing losing all the time, isn't it? So maybe, maybe in a few minutes' time, we can work out how to win with this army. But in the meantime, Ardacon itself, let's let's take that as a, a whole separate thing because um, I haven't really touched on this so far in the episode. We had the Entmoot team. Um, this is the first uh, for this tournament. Um, I haven't really focused on it because there's nine people in the team, including myself, to create a fellowship. Uh, I'm the captain. Great. Um and I was going to do like interviews with all of them, but then there's nine of them and then there's so many things to do and we wouldn't have been able to keep track of everyone. So, And I almost did uh, thought about doing a, a separate team kind of thing, maybe next time. But it's just there's so many things going on and there's so little time to grab food to eat and stuff uh, between games, let alone um, squeeze in an interview with uh, my opponent and with uh, nine other people. So I decided not to really focus on that for the podcast, but it's worth shouting out uh, members of the Entmoot team because... Um, they were they were kind of the through line for the whole um, tournament, really. Um, basically, we had this whole little gathering that we'd all meet up after each game, and not not all as a whole, but we'd catch up with each other and see how we're all doing. So, a uh, big shout out to Michael Haskell, Aaron Pullen, Darren Dickinson, Aidan Lummer, Tanya T. Boone, uh, Gayton Cancunjoliat, um, and Benjamin Viney, uh, Thomas Wag, because. 
you guys uh, have have just have made this tournament um, great. It made it feel like a unified thing. I felt like we were fighting for something. Even when I was losing, I felt like we had a chance. Um, we did okay in the rankings. I think we came fourth, so just missed off the podium um, for our team, which was great. And I think largely down to Tom Wag, um, who did really well, and Aaron uh, Pullen, who did exceptionally well as well. Um, and I think the the rest of us, uh, Tanya, I think I want to say was the third best player, and then Aiden and Ben were in the similar spot, and then Darren took the Fellowship of the Ring. Go on, Darren. Uh, tough, tough army to take to Ardacon, but uh, good on you for taking it. Um, either way, uh, it was it was good fun. And also, it, it, it's worth noting, you know, um, the, the, the unity that it presents and kind of the the chance to sort of be part of something rather than just playing uh, your own uh, your own sort of, uh, you know, your own army in your own kind of zone. Uh, it meant that it kind of you were buoyed up by everyone else's success, which I think really helped helped, especially when I was uh, when I was losing on day two, when I was thinking, oh, God, why did this have to happen? Uh, but anyway, that to one side, because we're back to Articon now. Because uh, this is an unusual thing about Articon is there's there's set, there's six games for Articon four on Saturday and two on Sunday, and then there's this whole thing in the afternoon three uh, basically from like four three half three onwards that sort of thing where basically everyone does nothing or goes home and it's I think it's a big flaw in the system um, of Articon and I. I understand the reason for it. The reason is you can have this spectacle, this game at the end, this seventh game that the top two players can play in in a kind of finale. And if you're one of those people or even in their teams or you're interested in competitive play, uh, you could watch this and you can enjoy seeing how it pans out. On the other hand, you're left with two hours at the end of a, a tournament, which is already four, uh, three days long minimum, potentially four or five or six this time or whatever it was. And it, and it drags. Um, it's two hours that that I feel like I'm not getting my money for value for money for uh, ultimately. And um, I don't understand why the seventh get, uh, round can't just be locked in as the top two players um, are separated off into a separate field because they're the best players for the first six games, right? And then the seventh game they kind of duel it out for that game, and then everyone else positions can change again. I'd love that to happen because the hall is being unused. People are milling about. Half of the people, I'd say, maybe maybe under half, maybe just over half, it's certainly around half of the people uh, who had left that tournament, left. 40 people just up sticks because people have long drives. And if you're not staying for something, you know, maybe a, a, an award ceremony, which everyone wants to be part of, but for two hours to wait to clap for half an hour um, and not receive an award, you know, that's for most people. That's not. That's not really in it. I mean, I'm, I was happy to stay, um, you know, and so were uh, plenty of the team as well. But people wanted to drive home, especially if you have a three, four hour drive. So, I think I think Articon probably needs to re- reconsider this. And I know I'm not the only person to think this, but um, you know, it, it's worth considering. Can the final round be separate? And, you know, not affect the the rest of the the tournament, you know. So essentially people are playing that final game to get the third spot, uh, you know, to get the bronze place and and or vie for the other other stuff. Because seven games is is tiring, yeah. But, you know, it's it's 100 quid, you know. Next year it's going to be 100 quid for this tournament. And playing six games and sitting around for two hours at the end, do you want to do that? I don't know. Maybe friendly games are okay. Or, or you know, even a, a game of battle companies, or or whatever. But if it's not part of the event, um, 
you're not in the zone for it. You're not. You don't want to have to organise a, a set another game. You don't want to have to go up into that extra effort. So, um, anyway, uh, my two pence worth. I think they should either scrap the the idea of having a final round that is a, a, a match that everyone sits around and watches. Maybe if it was televised and and had commentary and all that sort of stuff, then it'd be different. Um, but it it wasn't and may not be. It's going to be difficult to do that. Uh, I think they should do something different. But there was a match, and it featured. Jay Clare, regular Ardacon top table finisher, Jay Clare, and um, also Tommaso Zerbi from Italy. Now, you know what I'm going to say next. Every single time uh, there's a tournament in which Jay Clare wins, I can't speak to him because he's the writer of the rules and Games Workshop is covetous of his uh, voice and his intelligence they want him to write for the magazines uh, and the books and all that sort of stuff uh, and uh, talk on warhammer tv and he's absolutely fine with it but they won't let him talk to me but that doesn't matter because we have tomaso zerbi so i'm going to have a chat with tomaso So the end of Articon, people are uh, hurriedly packing away all the scenery, the mats are being rolled up, and, and the winner was Jay Clare. But I've, I've got uh, Tommaso Gerbi here, who's uh, from Italy, you've travelled all the way from Italy to Articon, uh, one of the few international players here. Um, and uh, you, you managed to get the runner-up and you, you played to, uh, uh, to Jay in the, the final, final match there. Of course, Jay can't talk to me uh, for the podcast. But Tommaso, first of all, tell me a bit about your army. Uh, what did you bring and how did it perform over the weekend so uh, I brought uh, Legolas on, on horse with elven cloak and 13 elves uh, so Mirkwood elves and and then uh, it was survivors of Lake Town three warbands and three militia captains and so I play with uh, many bows like 17 plus Legolas uh, it did very very good I mean I really enjoy this kind of army so it's kind of a horde mm. plus Legolas and Legolas of course as a horse so he can do pretty much anything he wants but if he needs to he just um, dismounts and he can use an elven cloak and hides so actually uh, I never I never lost Legolas in uh, seven games uh, it was really good yeah. well that is very impressive work and, and it's, it's an almost it's an unusual army but I, I believe that because you're in the team uh, championship um, and actually playing alongside Jay uh, that you weren't allowed to take any of the other heroes do you think you would usually take those or is it is it mainly the, is this a Legolas captain combination used often uh, I think I've never used this specific list before but I would have used it even not uh, if it was not in a team mm. uh, of course uh, I could have used also other heroes that were using a team but I really enjoy this kind of army and it's something uh, that I would use even in a different tournament so, and, yeah. and from what I gather you, you mostly won your games and, and I had a, a draw or two is that right what was, the, what was your tally in the end so uh, I got uh, four wins and two draws and five holds and before playing Jay in the final round, yeah. And in the final round, what, what happened? Walk us through some of it, because Jay has the Lake Town army um, with, with all the heroes except Legolas. And uh, what did, what, how did it all deploy? Tell us the mission and what happened. So um, we were playing um, Clash by Moonlight, and I was using like 17 bows, while he has just like 12 or 13, something like that. Um, so what I did is, is that I was expecting Jay to move forward a little bit and I dismounted with Legolas uh, to go up on, um, on a ruin. But then Le Jay just stayed uh, on the back, which was a very smart move. Um, so Legolas just lost the horse and I had to move forward to catch him. And basically we didn't want our troops to be shot at. So uh, we start moving pieces to avoid to be shot and so on. But I managed to get 
uh, a few kills, not among his archers, but among uh, the rest of his army. And then game one went on and I decided to charge one turn. I believe he was not expecting that maybe on that turn but I decided to charge and then of course he moved his army and our archers um, shot for a few turns um, what happened is that it was a draw it was a draw and um, it was a very great game one of one of, of the best games I've ever played uh, and because Jay is just an amazing player and it makes it easier to, to play a nice game so so, so the, what was sort of strategies did, did Jay and you use to, to try and get one over on each other it ended up a draw but what, what sort of were any key moments that the, the, that you sort of define the game. So okay, uh, when I, I try, um, it was a draw. But the things that could have changed the game, perhaps, is if if I would have kept uh, Legolas holes, it would have been very useful to wound perhaps Braga and wound perhaps other heroes. But still, it would have played it differently, perhaps keeping Braga behind. So I think. Uh, in most cases it would have been a draw I mean there were not many chances of getting a win out of this and for James uh, for Jay of course it was enough to get a draw because with a draw he would have won the tournament so yeah yeah, and, that, and that's the thing I think Jay in this this round he, he could play extremely cautiously because he had the six wins and quite a few of his oaths I don't know how, exactly how many after the six games but uh, he all did of them, I think. all, all of, of them, them yeah six wins <laughs> and six oaths so he didn't need to, to play particularly hard to in, in order to win the game so was, it, was that sort of put the pressure on you I guess to, to try and capitalise on it or are you just happy with the, the draw and the second No, place? yeah, no pressure at all I, I was playing the game just like I was, I was doing my best and that's that's all I can say about it yeah it was such a nice game such a nice yeah. I will do, uh, I, will do I will play it again once yeah. again yeah I'm sure and, and just finally you, you've travelled away from Italy uh, I, I think you have you have travelled from Italy because I know you lived in Scotland for a yeah. while um, but I, what, what does it mean to be able to be here and, and you know even being one of the few international players that have, have made the trip how was it to be back in a, in a big hall in a different country playing Toy Soldiers it's been amazing I mean I have to take like two swabs to come here other two to go back to, to Italy uh, of course, I'm double vaccinated and all these kind of things, but I will do it again. And it's, and it's so exciting to, to be here. And when I realized that me, Eric, and perhaps one or two other guys were the only people representing the like, international community, mm. it was like, wow, that's so much pressure on our shoulders. But it's been amazing. And uh, every time I, I come here, I feel welcome. It's yeah. an amazing community. And Ardacon is an amazing place to be for uh, to experience this community. So. Absolutely. So does that mean you're coming back next year for yeah. the full complement of people, hopefully something in the region of 250 people? Yes, yes, I already bought a ticket. <laughs> already got the ticket. Well, Tommaso, congratulations on the second place finish and, and hopefully we'll see you next year. Thank you very much, man. Thank, Thank you for having me. What an absolute gent uh, Tommaso was there. Uh, really fascinating as well um, to hear the army that he he went to success with. I mean, yes, he did lose uh, to Jay in the end, um, uh, but... Legolas, was it just Legolas? And three captains of Lake Town or whatever the hell it was? I can't remember at this point. Either way, to win six games or to... Uh, I can't remember the exact ratio, but he certainly won a lot of games and drew some. Um, I think it's five wins in a draw. Either You've probably just heard it. I haven't heard it in a while. I haven't listened back to it just yet. But... Um, Tommaso has done very well. And it's worth noting, that's n- maybe not the list he would usually take, as, as I've mentioned in the interview. Um he, you know, he was part of the same team as Jay, which meant because of the team restrictions at Ardicon, you're not allowed more of the same hero. Uh, so you can have, you know, one Legolas uh, and maybe one Legolas of the Fellowship kind and one Legolas of the non-Fellowship kind, one Gandalf the Grey, and you know. But they're all the same. That, and that, that I think, 
is interesting that he was kind of forced to to play that late town army, but has still managed to do very well. Tommaso is clearly an excellent player. Um, and Jay is clearly an, an outstanding player. He's won another one. Um, I, I, he just basically wins all the tournaments he goes to. And, and it there's, almost seems like there's no stopping him at the moment. Uh, and I know uh, Kylie in, uh, in Australia is probably listening to this thinking... There is stopping him. I'll be back uh, when COVID restrictions allow, of course. Um, so that's fascinating. And of course, there was, um, I forget the, um, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the fellow. Um, Damien, Damien, uh, who won Ardacon or did he win the Masters? I can't remember. Either way, uh, Damien won uh, last time in 2019. So maybe he'll be back. Who knows? We spoke to him not so long ago as well either. Either way, um fascinating I, I loved i loved hearing tomaso's um, approach he loved the game he loved just just being able to play jay again and uh, being part of the team as well and coming over from italy and representing one of the three i think or four people who'd made the international journey which was terrific including gerton uh, as part of our team um gerton uh, uh, from swiss switzerland not sweden He's Swiss, so he must be from Switzerland, right? Um, so either way, Gerton, uh, thank you for coming along. And thank you to all of the uh, international people who did come along to Ardacon because it, it, it does add a little bit of extra excitement to the room, you know? Uh, it's not just those same old English people we see all the time or Scottish people we see all the time or Irish people. You know, it, it's, it feels international when, um, when you've got some extra people in uh, from around the world. And that, that's what Ardacon is all about. And of course, next year, 250 people from around the world. I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. Um, with that in mind, I want to revisit one more thing because I'm still salty, okay? I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm still peed off about the Easterling loss, okay? Look, there's nothing that you can do to, to sort of stop me from feeling salty about it. But you know what I can do? I can get some advice. So let's do that from a top-tier Easterling player from Down Under, let's speak to Geordie about how I can make my Easterlings great again. Geordie, welcome. G'day, g'day Harry, good to be here. Ah, oh, thanks for the good day. That just reinforces the fact you're definitely from Australia. So, uh, Geordie, thank you <laughs> very right. much. That's right, no faking <laughs> No, no fakes. Um, thanks very much for joining uh, the Endmoot podcast. Um, so, d- before we sort of go into what I've done wrong here, um, I'd really like to just get your credentials, I suppose. Um, how long have you been playing Easterlings and how successful have you been with the Easterlings? Yep. yep. Um, so, I've been playing the, the game as a whole since like the D'Agostini magazines off and on. But Easterlings were one of the first armies that I reckon I would have bought. And, like, I mean, just bought. I had like five boxes or whatever of the troops and and you know an amda and a dragonite and this was all when i was like 15 or whatever so it's like i really went hard here um so i've been playing them for a long time um i've only like semi recently got back into the hobby and played them you know for the past two or well three or four years COVID time um so quite a while i would say i reckon i've got 30 or 40 games under my belt as easterlings um i've not taken them to a tournament unfortunately but soon, soon. Soon. Okay, so you haven't necessarily sort of um, proven yourself in a, in a tournament setting, but, but generally in the competitive games that you play or the, uh, the practice games, how do, how do you fare? How do they fare generally? Yeah, so with these guys, I reckon, I'm not going to say a win percentage, but yes, I win much more than I, I tend to lose. And that's, that's in some proper proper practice games as well, like not just let's throw dice it's like let's practice for a tawny type stuff 
Absolutely. And and people might recognise your voice. Um, you you also feature on the <laughs> Conquest Creations uh, YouTube channel, uh, Jacob's uh, YouTube channel down there. And Jacob's been on the podcast before. Conquest Creations uh, making some of the best uh, regular uh, battle reports out there and, and to a very high standard and also quite competitive with some uh, analysis as well, which is, I'm, I must say, very hard to do uh, to make a competitive battle report because cameras get in the way and do all these sorts of things. And I recently watched the latest episode uh, of the <laughs> yep. Conquest Creations where you played a really poor Angmar player. Not poor in, sen- in the sense that they're a bad player, but a very unfortunate Angmar player um, Ooh, yeah. in a Maelstrom of Battle situation because you also use chariots in your Eastern list occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I've just started dabbling with with Carnage Allies. Um, so, yeah, first shout-out to Jacob uh, and Conquest Creations. I think I think he's got the recipe right for, for SBG battle reports. Um, he cuts out, like, the dice rolling and... Like not the important ones, of course, but like it cuts off so much time, and you just get the the good stuff, like the the maneuverability, and he'll he'll do like a like an overhead talk of like why this player is doing that or whatever, which which sort of just lets you get to the actual meat of the games rather than watch fifty dice get rolled in a row, sort of thing. Yeah, that is really tricky to do. But in this particular game, it was a Maelstrom of Battle. Uh, <laughs> Angmar was was kind of coming on the edges. They were unlucky with the rolls. And you put um, uh, two chariots in. You got a chief on a chariot and a normal chariot. And you just ploughed through everything, including, um, I can't remember which ring wraith it was, but one of the ring wraiths. Yeah, in the, the, like the, the tainted. Yep. Yeah, and it was it was pretty horrible. So there's, there's, there's yep. potential here. Yeah, so the Easterlings are just super, super tough. Um, and... and you'll you'll like just look at their stats you can you can pick it up but the the pike phalanx just takes so long for an opponent to grind through that the the kandish chariots are a real good sort of counter to that so they're sort of the hammer to their easterling anvil like they just you know decimate through um like chaff troops and they have good cavalry killers with the chariots going up and down and stuff so you just have this really fast partly hard hitting and then partly just tough as nails army and it's uh it's a it's a real good synergy yeah yeah absolutely it is um but but despite that um i have struggled with uh easterlings not not necessarily <laughs> I, I mean i'll be honest um i think that that some luck was involved but i mm. de- there was definitely a, a significant amount of user error as well and i don't know whether that's just because uh, this is a new army to me and I'm, i've probably played uh, 15 or thereabouts games and uh, most of which have been mm. uh, tournaments um so obviously that's that's part of the uh, part of the issue but mm-hmm. but but I, I feel like i might might need a, a few tips uh, to to get things right so just before before we go into my army list um you're in this battle that that is on conquest creations which again i'll I'll flag up because if you're an easterling fan this is how to play easterlings you do some really (laughs) clever stuff um and i think a couple of the commenters underneath saying oh you know it was a whitewash all this sort of stuff because you churn through most of the angmar in one or two turns with the chariots but Mm. but you also it was was tainted on turn one yeah Yep. The rest yep. of the Barrow White and about 12 Orcs after that uh, in the second turn. But mm. but you, you also did some really smart things with um, the way you moved, the way you drummed, the way you marched. You, you generally, you just sort of launched into action and using that superior speed from the drums and the march for the Eastlings. And I guess that's one of the things that is p- pretty difficult to get your head around, that, that it's an incredibly fast-moving army. Mm, um, Eastlings are... You know, obviously there's scouts and all cavalry armies as well, but Eastlings to me are just one of the fastest moving armies because you can you can go double time with your Eastlings. I mean, most armies most armies with a drum and a captain can do that. But where the Eastlings are actually better 
they can run as far forward as they like and they won't put themselves in a weak position. Like if scouts run their full 14 inches forwards, your opponent can pick and choose 1v1s and 3v1s and stuff. But the Easterlings, they don't have that because they're always 3v1ing, you know, back. So they don't put themselves in such weak positions when they do do their big like 12 inch march drum sprint sort of thing that they're so fast but they stay like relatively safe as it were yeah it's that it's that kind of tortoise formation isn't it that you can keep them all in a a three three at the front three at the side three you know and it means whatever angle people hit you from you've got those three dice in the combat and potentially a banner as well Mm. so they can be very resilient even on the move Mm. So, so with that in mind, um, let's let's have a look at my army list. So, this is six hundred points of Easterlings, which, I, I, to be honest, I'm not convinced is the optimum <laughs> points level for Easterlings. But we'll we'll leave that to one side for the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll just run through it, and I know you've got it uh, got it to hand there, um, and it'll remind yep. uh, uh, remind everyone listening. And um, we've got Am- Amda on armored horse, five Eastling warriors with shield, uh, a, war- a warrior with pike and shield, four black dragons with pike and shields, get that extra courage and fight, uh, a black dragon cataphract, mm. uh, and a cataphract black dragon with wardrum as well plus two dragon cult acolytes then we've got a second warband led by the war priest with two warriors uh, four black dragons with pike and shield and two dragon cult acolytes and then we've got a candish king with two candish horsemen for 26 points um so all in all we've mm. got 27 models we've got three might and amda two on the king and one on the war priest so six might total three bows including the king um for, first of all oh well, of course we've got some throwing weapons first of all <laughs> what do you think of this? Is is this an optimum list? Do you think for six hundred points? All right, Harry. How um how harsh do you want me to be? I think you should be as as harsh as possible because ultimately, <laughs> people listening want to know whether this is good or not. Mm. So your model your model count is low, it is which low. is not always a bad thing, right? But the the phalanx sort of gives you this false you know, decrease in your numbers, right? Because you you have a small frontage. So if you've got, how how wide is your phalanx? It's, what, three wide, maybe four wide? Mm. So you've got this four base frontage for your whole army. And that just means that the, the power of the phalanx gets undermined because you've got, you know, your opponents can get to your sides. Like you can get rear charged and side charged where the, the phalanx needs to be a bit, a bit, a bit bigger because you've got that artificial, you know, slimness to your actual frontage. Um, so that's the first thing is numbers is quite low. The second thing is, I think, well, the second major thing, I think you've spent t- too much on the Kandish king on a chariot. And I know he's probably, he's probably a powerhouse, but mm-hmm. you pay a lot of points for that banner. So compared to a chieftain, he's how much more points? Uh, he's point, 125 and the yeah and the chieftain is 85 that's right yeah so you, you you're paying the so, 40 point premium like you get you do get the extra attack as well you get the ability to strike but I, i'm not sure how you found it but the chariot itself does like 60 percent of the work anyway um yeah, the I think, I think enough to get out. Yeah, you're you're right. It's the no, it's the knockdown and the and the impact hits that are doing most of the work. Yeah, it's fair to say. Yeah, and and they're both fight five. Um, the kings used to be fight six, and there I would have definitely taken the king because fight six is such a huge jump. But they're both fight five in this edition. Um, so there's to me that's forty points that you've you've overspent on because the banner to you in this list, um, it affects what two 
all of two models, which, yeah, which hurts. Um, I, to me, Andor is is fine. Like if you're building a list around Andor, it's it's fine. But he is sort of subpar at this points level, I would say, where Kamul just does so much more and hits so much harder. Now that's interesting. Than Andor. Before, before we move on from that, I'm really interested as to why you think he's subpar at this points level, and at what points level is he not subpar? So the amount of uh, well, sorry, this is going by the Australian meta, so the the your meta might actually be a little bit different. But where at 600 points, most armies will have one either one big gribbly or they'll go wide. Now, Andor isn't actually that good against big big griblies. Very true. So, like the example would be like a, a troll chieftain or like an opponent's Elendil or whatever. Or Andor's Durin, strength perhaps. is out fighting. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or or Durin. Um, his his strength is out fighting mid-tier heroes where if your opponent has three to four mid-tier heroes you'll do well but if your opponent's brought that one big gribbly amdor can't actually beat him like mm. if amdor ever comes up against dane he doesn't particularly win he just doesn't hit hard enough the fight six is comparable not better um so to me that's why he doesn't fit it at 600 as well once you get to 750 and you can get kamal and amdor they become a lot better because okay. Kamal lets you transfix while Amdor then goes in for the kill sort of thing. Mm. That's interesting. Okay, that that's that that is fa- that is a really interesting start. And because uh, you know, I I thought six hundred points is is probably the right right time for Amdo because you're less likely to face those big griblies. But you're you're completely right. There were quite a few armies um, over the course of the weekend where uh, you know I faced Durin twice, uh, including and King's Champion twice, <laughs> which are both really high defense Ouch. heroes. Yeah, exactly, um, and very st- high strength as well. So if you do lose that roll off for the strike or whatever, um, you know Durin will mm. take you out and so will the king's champion but they also if i win that i'm less likely to kill them as well and it's the same with with helm hammerhand i also face and so you know these sort of big mm. heroes they he's not quite got the metal to do it but but my question is if you don't have amdo at 600 points do, do you, you think you have kamul on what a fell beast or or kamul on a horse i mean what's the because that you're going to lose i mean an extra <laughs> 20 yep. 30 points Yep. Um, luckily, I'd have gained it from the the chieftain. Ah, um, yeah, of course, yeah. Kamul, Kamul on the fell beast is is huge. I'll I'll talk his graces because I've had the most experience using Kamul as my as my sort of hammer to the anvil type thing. I've played like fifteen to twenty games with Kamul. Right. He's huge. He's absolutely huge. Um, like he's the best. I, I like to say the best self-contained assassin behind the Witch King. I say self-contained because he can do the the compel and he can do the not the monstrous barge or sorry whatever it's called monstrous charge mm. knock down any hero he wants so he can fly in compel and knock down a hero and he'll always be able to win that fight because he's fight five slash fight six with um essence leech and then he's able to strike up so yeah. he can hit that fight nine ten pretty easily and just knock down the hero and being strength six with six attacks it's not a sure thing but he can definitely like one shot most heroes and mm. then if you're able to, you know, support him with three Easterlings or like a captain that's two-handing or something, you're just almost definitely killing what you're targeting. Whereas Amdor doesn't have that compel ability, so mm. he's always able to get counterstruck or whatever. Um, and of course, with them not being transfixed, they can fight back. Um, whereas Kamal, at least, he's you know, 
he's a bit more vulnerable generally, but he can at least for that one turn, he's like, you're transfixed. I'm going to get you. And they can't do anything about it. Okay. Counterpoint. Um, you've, only got, you've only got two might on um, Kamal and you have only, I think it's 12 will. Um, and I know you get some will back if you kill uh, models, but if you're spending one will um, to bump your fight to fight six and then you're spending a might. Uh, and then, you know, I, I feel like when I've played with him only in practice games, not at tournaments or anything, but mm, I mm. found that he's really struggled to, uh, to maintain the resources. I mean, how do I, how do I use him in a way that means that he's not sort of stuck out of position or, or potentially running out of, you know, might, for example, because if, if I've already spent one might and then I've got the strike and, you know, I don't get any might back in the way that I do with Amda. I, I've, I've found that, that yep. kind of balance yep. quite hard to strike. Yeah. So Kamal is, um, and for those who want to suss conquest creations, there's another uh, battle report where I use Kamal and I use him fairly well. Um, he, his essence leech power that lets him regain um, uh, will per the amount of wounds he deals is, is huge. You can normally go um, will neutral on turns. So you can very easily charge into two models on, and you're on a fell beast, of course, win that combat and eat those two models, regain the will that you spent for, for the turn and then channel one of that will gained into just like a harass spell or something. So he suffers from the combat wraith um, weakness of minus one to all your spells, basically. But he really does get that will back from combat. Um, the other thing that the Eastlings quite like to do, and you might hear the Green Dragon say this, they quite like to assassinate the opponent's main heroes and then just grind the rest of the game out, like one hero up. And Kamul is perfect for that playstyle. Like until unless you verse magic resistant heroes and stuff like that, Kamul suddenly doesn't help there. Instead, he just goes and beats up on the warriors. But if you're versing, like if I was versing a, a counter Amdur as an example, not a good example, I would be able to go in and um, flash kill the Amdur mm. so that, you know, their three might no longer matters because I've hit them with the compels. So they're sure. not allowed to strike. I've one shot them with the, the six attacks and whatever other might I want to spend to put into it, which probably have to spend one or two. Well, just one, I guess. And then with like some assistance of, again, like three pikemen or a cataphract or whatever to just get that flash kill. Um, mm. So the 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 less might does come into play if you've if you've done it correctly, not as much because you've also then taken out might from your opponent's board as well. Because ideally you've killed a two or three might hero and they've not been able to spend their might, sort of thing. Um, it's interesting. It, it that, mm. that that is that's it, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And, and I must say, it, you know, it's it. I think it definitely at times during this tournament, I would have loved to have had uh, something that could rend. And, um, you know, playing against a Boromir, a, a Durin, a Helm Hammerhand, um, a King's Champion, all these sorts of people, high defence, uh, tough to tough nuts to crack. But um, with, a, with a rend and, uh, and an immobilise, it might have been a lot easier. Well, it would have, would have been a lot easier. There's no doubt about it. Um, interesting. Um, well, OK, let's carry on unpacking everything because I think I stopped you at the very first model, which was Amda. Um, so, so, yeah, so w what are the things that, of my 600-point list um, do, you, do you think I should definitely change? Um, I was going to jump back on Amdur, okay, if that's cool. all right. Yeah. Now, he's not... Uh, he's, it's wrong to say that he's, like, the wrong choice, right? You can build lists to work in any way but what amdur would want is he needs like more support mm. so if you're going like an amdur heavy eastling list the kandish king is no longer 
like he doesn't complement what Amdor is trying to do. Mm -hmm. Instead, you would want one or two Dragon Knights to go alongside Amdor to help get those like speedy or flash kills. Yeah. So the chariot's very like, you know, direct in where he has to go, which is okay if that's where you're, you know, putting your offensive capabilities. But if you want Amdor to be running around and chopping people up, he needs more help than than um, the what one or two sort of cataphracts that can come with him. Yeah. So what you'd rather if you're if you're emphasizing Amdor as your damage potential, if I would have added like an extra Dragonite or potentially like a Kandish, a Dragonite's the better choice, but like potentially a Kandish king on a horse or chieftain on a horse mm-hmm. sort of thing, just to get more punch where you want it. So right now you're you've got these this dichotomy in your list where Amdor's trying to kill heroes and then the Karnish King's just trying to trample people, but you're not doing either sort of well enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think my, my, my logic behind it is a Kandish king is a very scary thing uh, to deal with and heroes by mm. nature want are the things you're going to have to throw in to kill it uh, and a Kandish king will knock down and kill a lot of heroes and, and has done over the course of the weekend. Mm. But, oh, that's good. But yeah, yeah but... Uh, I also didn't win a lot of those games, so uh, you know that, that that maybe that maybe that's where I've I've gone wrong. And actually, I think you, you're right. You you brought up the point about the char- uh, the chariot, um, uh, sorry, the king with his banner. Um, the banner effect only benefiting the horseman, whereas of course Amder is benefiting. Uh, you know. Uh, potentially the dragon knights as well if they come uh, mm, alongside mm. him so you know uh, and i could probably squeeze another banner in there if i swap a candish king for 125 points for a, a dragon knight and a banner that's you know pretty much the same thing isn't mm. it uh, and then i wouldn't have lost one of the scenarios which i, I had um i needed a banner in and um, so uh, th- these are interesting oh, no. points yeah but th- that, that's that's fine that's fine and um, so so in, in terms of the rest of the list, for, right, let, let's move on to so with the war drum. I think, I, I think it's definitely a good choice and I'm sure you'd agree with that. Is that right? Oh, yeah. War, dr- war drum, auto include and that's just not even a debate. Like okay. it just has to be in an e-stilling list. So I, you've done well there. I totally agree. And I think the cataphract and the war drum uh, were brilliant and they were out. I mean, other than failing to um, pass their courage checks um, on one of the <laughs> okay. objectives that I'd I'd cleverly um, run them backwards and forwards to, to uh, mask in a fog of war scenario, that, by the by, they would have been brilliant if they'd passed their courage check. And um, mm-hmm. what about what about the rest of the stuff going on? So we've got a, a couple of the other spicy things I've included are the dragon cult acolytes, uh, four of them, and also the war priest um, and also of course the ratio of black dragons so let's just dive into both of those uh, th- those three topics uh, before we before we depart um so we'll, we'll go with the war priest because it sort of leaks with amdur i think i think the war priest is definitely definitely good to bring in that sort of hit, like amdur hunter like hunter sniper list because i mean like you've said that the kill potential at strength four is just not there and risking a two-hand in a duel against their biggest hero is also just yeah, it's a bad move. So painful. Um, where the War Priest lets you just go Blade Wrath, bam, your fight, your strength six. Ideally, eight attacks at strength six with knockdown, you're probably doing three or four wounds. Perfect. Yeah, um, and absolutely came in uh, handy, especially against dwarves. I, I called a couple of heroic combats a few times, chopped two Khazad Guard down, uh, moved on to another two Khazad Guard. Four Khazad Guard dead with the with the spend of one point of will and a might, and I think that was well worth doing a couple of times. So, uh, War yeah. Priest, I, I I definitely feel like I've I've gotten some use out of. Yeah, um, also terror. He's oh yeah, I was going to say the the um the fury of him is very important. Though what I find funny is like half the lists that are terror 
you know base also have sap wheel so it kind of yeah, gets annoying, hit and miss in those <laughs> ones but that's okay that's not his fault <laughs> um the dragon cult acolytes i wish i could comment on we um i tried to order them as soon as they came out and there is no dragon cult acolytes yet no. um but i love the profile like 11 points for two attacks at fight four is massive and I, I, I'm a big um, I'm a big pirate stand, so I do love the throwing weapons as well. So I, I'm going to assume that they're good generally. I, th- I think I think they have performed very well. I, I'm I'm I think maybe four is about right in this list. The the downside, of course, is you can't then um, do the pikes from all sides, as you were uh, uh, alluding to earlier on in our conversation. But the two mm. attacks is amazing. Two attacks with two pikes behind them is four attacks with a banner is like five dice to win a combat, and you've got fight four in there. Yep. Uh, very rarely uh, did they go down um, before a, a good few rounds of combat, and having those extra dice, especially because you can faint on the front rank, then um, with a dragon, yeah, uh, with true. a black dragon yeah. behind you, you've got rerolling ones on two dice rather than the one. So, um, I think there was quite the, they, they worked really well, and the throwing weapons came in uh, came in handy a lot, and, and particularly in that slightly corsairish evil way of you know throwing weapons into combat, potentially mm-hmm. uh, uh, preventing a, a heroic combat from a, a deadly, deadly evil hero. Um, and then the next thing I, I, I do want to talk about, because I did just notice, and when you said it before, it sort of clicked. You don't have a banner in that pike block. Yeah, I don't. I have, uh, Amdor, I have, I have yeah. Amdur, and that's it. Yeah. Amdur is interesting because um, he has he has this weirdness in his rules that they're trying to go two different ways. The banner's there to support, but then he's off, you know, he's off on the flank, you know, fighting Aragorn. And then the banner's not where it needs to be, sort of thing. Mm. I more treat his banner like a Lord of the Lord of the West type of rule, where it's just like, this affects me, um, and I'll have my phalanx get their own banner, and because it's so centralised, and because they're generally in such a tight formation, mm. it's very easy for that banner to affect, you know, literally the whole phalanx, and it's it's crucial to get the reroll in the phalanx. So the the chance of rolling a six on three dice is about 42%. But then the chance of rolling six on four dice becomes like 52%. So you're just gaining this extra 10% chance mm. of, and not that six always equals a win, right? Because you converse higher fight values. Of course, yeah. But just a 50%, upwards of 50% chance of, of getting a six is just massive on your on what you would consider your chaff troops. Mm. Um, so I would uh, I would recommend in in list builds to always just chuck that banner centralized. Yeah, and not that every army can snipe banners. Easterlings, I think, is it's the single hardest you know race for them to to snipe a banner because it's it's wedged between five different models, and it's it's always just going to be so compacted amongst other models. Whereas you know, if I'm Angmar and I'm versing Mordor and their banners sitting at the back, I can go compel black dart sort of thing it's just not nearly as possible with the easterling so their banner is very safe as well mm, so it's a real point. real good investment interesting interesting okay so so we talked a lot about the heroes and the the, the composition the, the the final thing i want to really focus on is is this the sort of mixture of warriors that i've chosen and and you know i've mentioned there we've got some warriors some black dragons and and i tried to not have too many black dragons because you do pay a bit of a premium for them but they are mm. handy, especially against you know orcs or whatever. Uh, you're winning those combats. Do you think I've got the mixture right there? To, I've I've almost got half and half um, normal warriors and half and half black dragons. Yeah, the the sort of the black dragon ratio I think is maybe if a little bit slightly 
too many black dragons, mm. but I, I, I'm always fine with that. Like, I'd rather have them than not because they are they are crucial. Like, against fight three armies, it's like mandatory. And then against fight four armies, if you don't at least get a chance of roll off, you know, you're still going to get chewed up by Uruks, which, you know, like decimate you guys. So you need to at least be able to compete. Yeah. Um, and against elves and stuff, they they're not as numerous and they're strength three generally. So versing fight five, actually, I don't hate with Easterlings anyway, but that's another thing. Um, so yeah, I think you. But what I think is, and I've, I think I alluded to it. I think your your pike block's too small, yeah. which is probably and look, tell me if this is what happened. It probably let your opponent wrap around the side of you rather than offering this wider frontage where they can't get through unless they go straight through you sort of thing. I, I think I think to an extent that that is true. It's certainly in some things. I, I did work really hard to try and um, use the terrain to my advantage. Um, but of course, yeah, in some yeah. of the scenarios, you, you or you know, I think we played hold ground or whatever. You know, where you're getting right in the middle and you just you just end up being in a bit of a melee. I, I found that once I'd lost that sort of you know. A, the anchor between the the lines, and I had to sort of move the uh, the front and sort of consolidate things from a three deep um, block to a two deep block. That's where everything mm. starts falling apart, doesn't it? But uh, generally, yeah, I definitely probably needed a few more warriors, and I was aware of that going in because um, I knew twenty seven mm. was probably too low at six hundred points. But um, I was quite mm. happy with the 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 double threat of the 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 uh, the king on chariot and Amder. Um, so I guess f- uh, just to kind of sum things up, I've got 600 points there. I've got those models. Um, the the main changes that you'd suggest are dropping the king and changing him for what, a, a dragon knight? Um, it would be it would be potentially drop the king, swap him for a chieftain and like okay. about two chariots. You know, you'd give or take an extra model because mm-hmm. recently, as as you've seen, I found the chariots to be quite quite good and they're a really good complement to just the 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 sturdiness of the of the Easterlings. So just the standard um, chariot. Yeah, I mean that's what I, that's what yeah. I've been using. Of course, they're they're weak to black darts and they're weak to Legolas and stuff like that. But generally, I found that they, if you can get them in range quick enough, which with a march or two you can, they mm-hmm. they still do the damage. Um, but you could like you can go one of two ways. You could add more chariots or you could yeah like you like you said swap the king for just like and maybe like two or three models for another dragon knight and then you've got this massive hero heavy hit squad um and and that could 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 have worked quite well too Mm. okay so 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 this that that's interesting so if so say for example i went amda dragon knight um you know i'd I'd gain sort of 150 points uh from dropping the king's warband and i'd get 80 points Mm. for a dragon knight plus you know 70 points for other stuff and i'd be i'd still have the same might in the list um but of course uh i would would lose a march do you think it would be worth spending some of those points on uh, a a captain or do you think it's just drop as many more uh, more guys into the list so 70 points worth of extra dudes um, I'd I'd probably drop um, and you might hear the, the Green Dragon. I'm, I'm going to reference him a few times because I mean Kylie's very good and that's where these ideas come from. Yeah. The um, the oversaturation type mentality. Yeah. So I would just drop like so you've dropped the King's Warband and then maybe like one Dragon Cult Acolyte as they kind of fulfill a similar role. Yeah. To get two two um, Dragon Knights oh. and suddenly you've got well more might but um you still don't have a march but let's hope that the drums enough which generally it is i mean i yeah you're right as you've seen you've seen my video i really appreciate the the double time of march and drum but 
you'll you'll have a bit more might. All of those guys will have blood and glory, so it's fairly easy to get them to just swamp one hero and and suck away their might sort of thing. Um, and you've just got this, yeah, this hit squad that that does all your damage. So it's not instead of the chariot trying to do the damage and then Amdor trying to do the damage, you can just really hone in where you want to kill stuff dead mm. and that's, then just send the phalanx everywhere else. That's interesting. That that would still leave me low on numbers though. So I guess that's the balance that I've got to choose to to make. Do I want it to be hero heavy? Or like your army list, uh, uh, we mentioned this Conquest Creations Battle Report, your army list was very high on numbers and it was low points. I can't remember mm. exactly the number of points. Is it 500? 500, yeah. 500, and I think, you've got a I chieftain, think... a captain, um, and just loads of... Bo- two captains and loads of dudes. So, yeah, so two, I guess there's a bit of... Captains. Yeah, so I guess there's that kind of uh, two different builds there that, that one is very hero-focused, still lower numbers, or just sack off the idea of having any strike or anything like that and just swamp um, swamp mm. your opponent with with chariots and, uh, uh, and models. Mm. And look, once you get to certain point thresholds, these what works changes like that 500 point list in the in the video has yet yeah, zero might uh, zero strike sorry um it's just got two captains and a chieftain and he doesn't strike either but there's only one fight five model the rest is fight four mm. at 500 points i think that's okay because you can just ignore their big hero because if they have a big hero they've sacrificed 10 to 15 troops but at 600 points they're still going to have a big hero and enough troops to sort of combat you as well yeah so you at this point, several you might have to invest, like you've done, in into an Amdur or some some way to stop their big their big baddie. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose mm. in this 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 instance, I, I'm almost tempted to go uh, it, it, focusing on the main thing that you suggested is make that pipe block better. Is to drop a king for 151 points and the two horsemen, and then make that up with a captain and fill that warband out. Um, maybe even add a few, dare I say, it, Easterling bows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd you'd be a, a man after my heart if you if you extend that phalanx because I adore I adore the um the pike block. I think it's it, I think it's the bee's knees, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it all the way into tournament sometime soon. Um, but yeah, I think make that phalanx just a bit more robust, and then you can anchor you know anchor that, and then have your heroes do some chopping. I think that would work. Amazing. Well, Jordi, thank you very much for coming on and giving me some advice. And hopefully that means that everyone listening um, thinks that there is a potential uh, way of doing Easterlings well, even if uh, I've disastrously disappointed everyone with with my ambition and then failed ambitions to uh, go to tournament success with this army. I, I still think there's potential there. Uh, and I think it's it's one of those ones where you need to be uh, a bit more experienced to pilot the army. Um, it's certainly not easy um, to run an Easterling army. There's lots of tricks and uh, tips that have, hopefully people have been able to glean from you and 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 my uh, errors but either way mm, Jordi mm. Uh, just to sum up um give us three sort of top tips that you would recommend uh, for uh, an easterling player uh, with a with an army that we've just kind of described and built uh, together there yeah no i love your enthusiasm harry keep it up we'll we'll make <laughs> easterlings uh, a great great again um so easterlings love an anchor in terrain like like you had so you know well well done in your in your games thank you they love an anchor they're very very fast so they do really well in um a lot of the scenarios that like involve sort of map control which i've you know worked out is about 18 out of 11 sorry 11 out of 18 of them so they do really well in those ones um they do quite well after they break so don't be scared if you're sort of in a losing battle to try and break and then sort of hold those scenarios because you can just stand there shielding with your the remnants of your main force and then run your cataphracts and your you know whatever else to those objectives that you're holding behind 
that you've sort of attained by that speed. Yep. So you just sort of put this front out there, fight them until you die, and then you've controlled the back half of the board and you've probably won your, your dominations or your capture and control and stuff like that. Amazing. Well, Jordi, thank you very much for, for all your tips in list building. And, uh, and I'm sure if we, uh, we carry on watching Conquest Creations uh, YouTube channel, there's, there's more, <laughs> uh, more, uh, more sort of lists and more sort of uh, games to be played in that sort of tournament um, around Robin thing or knockout tournament, isn't it? Um, so uh, hopefully people listening, yep, yep. Um, they can get oh, some yeah, proper yep. tips uh, from you in that one. And hopefully the Eastlings go all the way. No, thanks for having me, Harry. Hopefully I was, uh, you know, on the money and hopefully made sense to anyone listening. Absolutely. And just before you go, um, you, you, you got in touch with me about uh, you're planning to do a podcast um, of, of a similar kind of style to me, although with other bits and bobs, um, but sort of focusing on obviously the Australian tournament scene. Um, just give us a shout out for what it's going to be called and where to look out for it. Yeah, so um, it's going to be the Two Towers podcast. I think we're just going to throw it on all the usual um, platforms that we can, like yep. I'm going to assume like sad clowned and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we're going to have sort of two different styles of episodes. One of the episodes is like tournament based, which is going to be very much, a very much a, a little love letter to to um, Ant Moot. Um, but we're going to have my lawyers will my, be uh, writing to you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, myself and my uh, associate, we're going to sort of bring different dynamics because I'm a bit more definitely not a power gamer far from that but I'm definitely like a you know a, a top table sort of player so I'm going to bring like a bit more strategy and insight to the discussions or whatever and then um and then my uh, teammate Albert he's gonna bring like the fun and the joy that you you tend to bring to your to your yes and all the losses <laughs> I hope uh, that's what I certainly bring to the table well either way uh, two towers podcast coming out very soon uh, focusing on the Australian uh, tournament scene as well as uh, some other bits and bobs I'm looking forward to it and as you said uh, it's going to be a bit Entmoot styly so I've given my blessing uh, you can steal my <laughs> idea no no it's fine I, I I'm looking forward to hearing um, uh, the voices of Australia and and all the different games you get uh, mischief you get up to down under so um Jordy thanks very much for coming on to Entmoot brilliant no problem thanks again for having me Geordie there uh, from Australia and I mentioned um, his podcast it's not up and running yet and um, based on the fact that it's an Entmoot style interviews at tournaments podcast um, it might be a while um, before they actually get up and running because um, Australia's in lockdown again and so I know I'm sure hopefully everything's okay with you guys down under hopefully it's not uh, too arduous um fingers crossed the vaccines help you out um from that, that covid hole of lockdowns that you guys uh, are in at the moment i know we've we've been through the ringer uh, ourselves here in the uk we're out in air quotes for the moment um fingers crossed there's no more lockdowns and and the vaccines do the work in terms of uh, helping people stay healthy so um either way thank you very much uh, to geordie for helping me make Easterlings great. I am not going to let Easterlings rest. I'm not going to I'm not going to drop them. I've decided and um, until now I've basically tried to keep each um, episode fresh. I've wanted to throw in a new army, a new uh, try something different each time. I'm going to not do that this season. It's going to be my quest to make Easterlings good. I'm going to win four out of five games or five out of six. I'm going to win a tournament and then I'm going to drop Easterlings. Or I'm going to get bored with them and I'm going to get angry at them. And then I'm going to do some fun things because I'm fed up of losing when I want to win. And then when I lose, it won't matter because I'll have decided I don't mind because I'm doing something fun. So... Let's see what we can do. I'm going to try and keep some spice in there and throw in the odd, um, the odd fun list like I always do. Um, but I actually think 
I, I'm going to try this time. I'm going to try. And I think if I get a, a four out of six wins in a podcast or a five out of six wins, that's, let's, let's get the same high. I want to get five wins and a loss. Is that possible? Is that too much? Maybe five, four wins and a draw. That maybe I could go for that. Either way, uh, if I do that, I'll be happy. Until then, we're going to keep playing Easterlings. With that that in mind, thank you very much for listening to another uh, episode of Entmoot. Uh, this has been my Articon special series, though three in a couple of weeks. On the topic of Easterlings, I've got some Easterling videos recorded in the bag on um, my Battle Games in Middle Earth YouTube channel. And, and they're going to be released at some point in the coming weeks. I'm moving house, which makes everything very difficult because I've got lots of stuff everywhere. Um, and I'm putting it all in boxes. I'm having to wrap up my toy soldiers. I'm having to sell the stuff that I've been meaning to sell for years. Um, so, you know, because I've got duplicates, just so many duplicates. I just went on a binge buying army bundles for a while and uh, just to get like one model. I'd spend like £100 just to get Boromir with arrows sticking out of him. Um, and then I'd have loads of gothmogs uh, anyway so i'm selling all that um, and by the time you've you've uh, heard this podcast i think i'll have sold it all uh, or at least put it up for sale and um i've also got uh, loads of other things moved but but the videos are in the can they're ready to go i've just edited i just need to edit some um, painting stuff i need to edit some gaming stuff and then it'll be uh, pretty cool uh, i'll have a nice sequence um for for you to to enjoy so with that in mind um Thanks very much for listening to another episode of Entmoot. Oh, 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 one more thing. Um, sorry, I'm making the end of this podcast incredibly long. Um, if you're in the market for a tournament and you're in the uh, England, in the UK, hell, you know, if you're anywhere in the world and you fancy two weeks of isolation to come to uh, Lincoln for a weekend, please do it because... Uh, Lord of the Imps is back, baby. Um, the return of the imp is is on the horizon. It's only a month away. Um, it may feel like not very long since my last tournament, and that's because it isn't. Um, the last tournament was meant to be in October last year and then was pushed forward to July because of uh, COVID. But it's now on the cusp of a second, well, a third Lord of the Imps. This would have been the third year in a row I'd have done it. Hence the Lord of the Imps, you know, then the two powers and then the return of the it, see what i did there anyway uh, i've got that it's 35 quid for two days um i'm running it via tawny the app that uh, articon uses so it's going to be really professionally done fingers crossed um there's a bar that's professionally served by professional people not just me serving um you know homebrew um maybe homebrew will return in a future tournament but not this one um and there'll be 80 people vying for the top position at a 700-point tournament uh, where the leader dies on day one, and then on day two, your second-in-command takes over and you get reinforcements. And it's great fun. The The community we've built um, at the Lord of the Imps is fantastic. Um, we've got some regulars that come every year now, uh, or have come for the last few, and they're fantastic people. Um, we've got more exciting news because we've got some competitive players coming at this time um, there's like the top of the league guys that are going to be here we might even have Jay Clare turning up um, because he's he's said a, he's, he's marked himself as a maybe um, so you know you might be able to meet the rules writer you might be able to play the rules writer and be smashed by him and you might be able to uh, uh, meet and play some really really great people who are top players and learn a lot as well as have the usual fun that you'll have um, so there you go that's everything um yeah, yeah, I don't think I've got anything else to add. Um, but thanks very much for listening. It might be a while for the next podcast because I've not got any tournaments on the agenda because of House Move. Um, but in the meantime, uh, keep on strategy battle gaming. 
Um, check out Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube and enjoy yourself. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Boorarum. Boorarum.